Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And a very good evening. Welcome, folks, to another edition of Higher Ground on February the 7th. And it would be Monday night, right up until midnight, in fact, until whilst we are on air. Chris Warren with you for the next few hours as we sink our teeth into all the big issues of the day. Um, And thanks for your company here at SEN's Late Night Sports Bar. So pull up a stool, make yourself nice and comfortable, and uh, feel free to join the conversation. The open line is now open, 1300 01 1170. And so too is the text line, 0457 736 736. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Give you one more night, one more night to get this. We've had a million, million nights just like this. So let's get down, let's get down to business. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Give you one more night, one more night to get this. Yes, indeed. Let's uh, dive straight into it. Now, we spoke at length about Justin Langer's dismissal yesterday on Sports Central. So uh, those of you who tuned in, uh, you will know my feelings about it all. In my opinion, it stinks. I won't get uh, bogged down by it all again tonight, but uh, feel free if you uh, have an opinion and you want to have your say on the Cricket Australia fiasco um, and what we might also call the Justin Langer scandal, um, we'll feel free to have your say and uh, pick up the phone or drop me a text. Look, I have no problem uh, with uh, Justin Langer being shown the door, um, which he wasn't. No, he was he was offered a token gesture, a six-month extension, uh, so he could go out on a high, you know, defend the World Cup title and uh, ride off into the sunset. And that way, Cricket Australia and its decision-makers, the suits, in the corridors of power, uh, they preserve their own dwindling reputations and uh, they can say, look, we didn't sack him. He chose to resign. The governing body, it saves face. Well, let's call it um, as it is, shall we? It's weak leadership, in my opinion, and it's also fence-sitting. It's almost gutless. We all know that Cricket Australia wanted Langer gone. A few players, a few staff members and members of the board had had enough. His style of management, too intense. His moods, too fluctuating. Dare I say his standards, too high. If they wanted him gone, for whatever reasons it might have been, just come out and say it. Say, Justin, the four-year deal is up. You've done an amazing job. Thank you. You've come in and you've cleaned up our reputation after Sandpaper Gate. You won the World Cup, or guided the team to World Cup victory. You helped win the Ashes, etc., etc. But, Justin, we are now moving in a a new direction. We will not be renewing your contract. Thank you, but sorry. You know, and at least that way, although there will still be many people who think that um, it is the wrong decision, at least they made a decision, had they done that. At least they made a decision and were quite upfront about it and transparent. 
and didn't try to disguise the sacking with a half-hearted, piss-poor six-month extension offer. As for Langer himself, and I apologise for swearing, I think this part of his resignation letter sums it up quite nicely. And you would have read it in the papers today. My life has been built on values of honesty, respect, trust, truth, and performance. And if that comes across as too intense, then I apologize. JL, never met you. You do not need to apologize. You did what you thought you were being paid to do to rebuild the credibility of the Australian cricket team, to restore the public's trust in the Australian cricket team, and to lift the performance of the Australian cricket team. Tick, tick, and tick. In the past five months alone, we win our first T20 World Cup. We thump England in the ashes. The team rises to number one in the world. Langer is named Wisden Cricket Coach of the Year. And he's also inducted into Cricket Australia's Hall of Fame. Again, no need at all to apologise, Justin. Thank you and well done. Still on cricket, I'm keen to know what the Big Bash will look like next season um, with changes, I believe, afoot, as we seem to say about this time every year, don't we? It's, it's, It's running the risk of killing the goose that lays the golden egg. The competition went at its peak, about half a dozen years ago, it was a much better product, I think it's fair to say. Or am I wrong? Um, this season, uh, back then, the season was much shorter. The games, they were more competitive, weren't they? And there were more big-name international players on show. I know there are mitigating factors for the, the downturn in viewing figures this season, um, but I think the sooner they get back to a, a less-is-more philosophy with the Big Bash, the better. I'm going to talk to News Limited journo Sam Landsberger a a bit later on. Uh, He wrote a really good article uh, in today's Daily Telegraph, so I thought we'd get him on the show to outline some of the changes that that he thinks need to be made uh, to preserve the the Big Bash, because we do like it, but I think it does need some tweaking. Uh, We'll continue our Series 2 of NRL previews club by club as the new season approaches. Now, last week, we we took a close look at Parramatta and also Canberra Raiders. Tonight, the club in focus is Sydney Roosters. And I'll be chatting shortly uh, to uh, one half of Roosters Radio. Um, If I can get hold of him, my old mate Bush, as we uh, we talk the ins and the outs, where they might improve. And here's a question, too, off the top of my head, Roosters fans. What does success look like for the Roosters in 2022? Yes, I know, we all want to win a premiership. Um, and that may be realistic for the Roosters and a handful of other clubs. But give me something else, Roosters fans. Give me something else you want to see uh, from your team this season. The obvious one, I guess, would be fewer injuries. Um, But there might be something from one particular player that you're looking forward to see. Uh, Let me know. 0457 736 736. That is the text line. Or pick up the dog and bone and have your say. 1300 01 1170. Now, how good uh, was it watching the Winter Olympics last night? If you did. Slowly but surely, I reckon I became almost an expert. Yep. In the moguls. After watching run after run after run uh, with my kids. 
until they went to bed. It was just brilliant, wasn't it, by our newest gold, golden girl, Jakara Anthony. Consistently, by far, the best performer and uh, such a proud moment for her Yeah, and also the Aussie team. Just the sixth Aussie ever to win gold at the Winter Olympics and uh, 12 years um, since it was last achieved. Uh, she joins an exclusive club. Lydia Lassila, Tora Bright, Elisa Camplin, Dale Begg-Smith and Stephen Bradbury. Now, talking of Stephen Bradbury and his, well, incredible uh, win at Salt Lake City all those years ago, 20 years ago, um, just the one event tonight in terms of Australia's involvement, and that is the short track speed skating uh, with Brendan Corey taking part in the 1,000-metre race, made famous by Bradbury way back in 2002. Yes, indeed. Uh, what a moment. What a moment. Uh, uh, the quarterfinals in that uh, the 1,000 race, they don't begin until about quarter to 11 uh, tonight with the final due around midnight. So uh, lots for us to uh, get through. Looking to- Also looking forward to talking to Matt Bungard from uh, Wide World of Sports, Lockie McCurdy from Code Sports. He'll jump on the line and we'll, we'll talk through the winter uh, Olympics and a whole lot more. At the back hour of the show, we'll look back at some of the, um, the good interviews, I guess, uh, from across the station today. So stick around for the rewind as well. All right, again, that number to call, 1300-01-1170. If you do want to pick up the phone or if you want to send a text through, you can 0457 736 736. This is Higher Ground with me, Chris Warren. Yes, indeed. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Hope you are well. And uh, JL, if you're listening, mate, I'm in your corner. You've got a fan here. And uh, I hope you just uh, put your feet up and relax and just get away from it all for a while. And, and then maybe go and take up that job over in England. Uh, and then wouldn't that just be, wouldn't that be a promoter's dream, hey? Um, now, Shane Warne is the latest to unload. And uh, an article has just gone up on the uh, the Fox Sports uh, website as well. An absolute disgrace, says Warren, blasting pathetic Cricket Australia over Langer and also hints at a Cape Town cover-up. All right, so uh, we'll go through that a little bit later on when we can. I'll, I haven't read through the whole article, um, but he hasn't uh, held back, has he, uh, Shane Warne, uh, nor have a number of other um, former teammates of Justin Langer. You might have your thoughts on that. Please feel free air them. Pick up the phone and call me. Am I over the top? Am I right? Am I wrong? Um, as I say, I don't have a problem with them not renewing Langer's contract. I have a problem with the way they have done it. That is my that is my beef, but uh, there are two sides to the story. Bondi Jack has already jumped on the keyboard. Uh, he says, wah, and that's my nickname, by the way, or at least uh, my footy mates call me wah, and so too does Bondi Jack. Uh, I have no problems with Cricket Australia hooking Langer or the manner of it. In fact, I'm delighted with how they dealt with it. They backed their senior players against a bloke nobody can cop a bar of. On the back of the Langer Payne Fast versus India's Reggies, Bondi Jack. And Bondi Jack will not forget about the um, the underwhelming performance against an understrength India team. Uh, but when you say Bondi Jack against a bloke nobody can have a bar of, 
my goodness, I think you couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, you only have to look at some of his supporters, Bondi Jack. And I don't want to get out of favour with you, but I think JL has got a lot of um, friends, um, but not necessarily in high places, it would seem. Steve from Padstow, good evening to you. He says, hi, Chris. Cricket Australia is wrong. Good coaches are hard to find. Cricket players are a dime a dozen. Stats speak volumes. JL, hard done by, I think. And... Um, this one, how about New Zealand, uh, very first Winter Olympics gold medal? Yeah, Zoe uh, Sadowski, I think it is, uh, Sinnott. So that's probably hyphenated, isn't it? Yes, it is. I'm sure it is. Uh, on our uh, day. Yeah, uh, who's that from? Fob Dogs. Interesting name, Fob Dogs. Thank you. Keep those texts coming through. I'll get through as many as I possibly can uh, over the next uh, three hours. So I'm still get, trying to get hold of my old mate Bush from Roosters Radio. Uh, luckily, Cowboy Dan is a Roosters tragic as well. He happens to be in here in the studio on the higher ground keyboard, and uh, we might uh, we might chew the fat uh, with him uh, about the Roosters. But what I'm asking, if there are Roosters fans listening, Okay, aside from winning the premiership, what do you want to see from your team? What is a successful year for you? And sort of you know, what are you looking for? What are you hoping for from maybe um, one or two of you of your players? Let me know. Um, the live studio audience, there's a few up in the back there, I think. Good evening to you guys as well. Yeah, I know, I know. It's, it's good times, isn't it? Good times. Um all righty, uh, let's, let's dive straight into it. And our first guest is Matt Bungard. He's a, a journo from uh, Wide World of Sports. He's also host, I believe, of uh, NRL Boom Rookies podcast. Matty Bungard, thanks for joining us, mate. How are you? Hey, Chris. I'm doing well, mate. How are you? Yeah, mate, I'm well. I'm well. Um, look, I, I said I don't want to get too bogged down in the whole Cricket Australia stuff, but you can't, uh, you can't escape it. Every time I turn my iPhone on, there's a new story popping up somewhere, and um, you may not have even seen it yet. But Shane Warne has, has dived into into, yeah. the, into the pool as well. Uh, let, let's firstly kick off with this. Um, where do you sit on this, Matt? I mean, in terms of um, saving face or, or the brand of Cricket Australia, the the head honchos, the organisers, the governing body, um, perceptions are very important in sport. And perceptions oftentimes are reality. They've got some damage control to work through, haven't they? Yeah, big time, mate. So I think regardless of where you stand personally on Langer's tenure and whether or not he should have remained as a coach, I think the one thing that most of us agree on is, is what you said just before I came on, which was that uh, the, the way that that sort of disrespectful six-month contract extension was offered out was, was certainly... I guess, not optimal for anyone involved. And I think that's really the main part of this that everyone can sort of agree with, that that really shouldn't have happened and that the way it's been handled in the last couple of weeks by Cricket Australia hasn't hasn't been the best, I think, is, is putting it mildly. Mm. Have you got any um, sort of gut feelings who they might go with? Do you think Andrew McDonald might be there for the long haul? Have you heard any whispers to the contrary? <laughs> no, but I, I have. Read in the past that Andrew McDonald, I think, was on the record as saying he he wasn't interested in the job on a full time basis because of the, the sort of family commitments and, and the time away that it would that would come with it. But I, I guess you know people's situations change, and I think that you know it's one thing to say that when the job's not there right in front of you. I guess it might be entirely another um, when it is. Um, of the of the rest, I know that you know Jason Gillespie, Ricky Ponting, that they, they they're great candidates. 
uh, and then, you know, if you want to throw in a couple of the outsiders, there's Gary Kirsten. But I think the one that I guess makes the most sense, in my opinion, would be Trevor Bayless. Just in terms of, like, the, the decorated career that he's had. I mean, I think I don't think it's unfair to say that he's probably the most decorated Australian coach that hasn't yet had the honour of coaching the Australian national team. I mean, he made a World Cup final with Sri Lanka, won a World Cup with England, won a bunch of stuff with the Sixers in T20 cricket. And, yeah, to me, that feels like the best fit, just purely because of the, the experience he has getting results in 20 over, 50 over, and um, first-class cricket. So, mm. yeah, I, I would be opting for Trevor Bayless if it was up to me. But I think that, I mean, I wrote about a list of the potential candidates yesterday, as you mentioned, Andrew McDonald, Jason Gershie, Ricky Ponting, I mean, you know, Gary Kirsten, David Sager, a few other guys. But I think you, there's a lot of great choices there. So I don't think they can mm. really get too much wrong there. Mm. Just, just back on, on why um, this is dominating the headlines, and we will be talking about it for days to mm. come. You, you, you can't avoid it, and, and nor, nor should we. We are a sports uh, radio station, so we are addressing all, all the big issues. But, you know, you've got the likes of Mitchell Johnson, Matthew Hayden, Adam Gilchrist. Gil, uh, Gilly spoke today, actually, on our network. We'll play that a little bit later on. Shane Warne's the latest to mm. come out a, a, as well. Um, I think the, people find it incredulous to think because if you look at any any and and you know they say that uh, being the Australian cricket coach coaches is mo- the second most important office in the country. If Scomo <laughs> goes tomorrow, uh, we're probably reading about it for a few days. This one, we're probably reading about it for a few few weeks, if not more. But yeah, well, I think yeah, I think Rose McManus used to joke about the cricket captain, uh, the cricket coach actually being more important than the prime ministership. Well, so, there you go. Yeah, it could be could be the, number one. There you go. But people are shaking their heads because, and I've rattled off those stats earlier. I don't need to go through it again. But World Cup done, Ashes done, World Number One done, all that sort of stuff. So if mm. they're key performance indicators, well, it's tick 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 boom, right? Well done. Um, but. They're saying, yes, I know, but uh, it's a bit of a fractured playing squad. And uh, a few people thought he was a bit too intense and didn't like his ways. Let me, let, let's look at it another way. Let's fast forward, say, 12 months, all right? And, and this is the scenario. And listeners, you have your thoughts on this as well. Let's say this yep. happens. We fail to make the semifinals at the World Cup, so we don't defend our World Cup title. Um, we lose the Ashes in England, okay? This all happens in the next 12 to 18 months or two years, let's say in two yep. years. We fall sure. from number one to, let's say, number four in the test rankings, okay? So then what do they say to the coach, the new coach, whoever it might be in two years' time? Well, and let's say it's Andrew McDonald. Andrew, look, mate, I know. Look, I know we've lost the Ashes. And look, I, I know we didn't win the World Cup. Look, and I know our world ranking has plummeted. But you know what, Andrew? It's a very happy playing group. <laughs> They're really kumbaya. <laughs> they're they're really together. They're enjoying the way you're doing things. Um, pat on the back for Andrew McDonald, or do you show him the door? You see where I'm going? Yeah. No, I think it's a fair point, and I think that whoever the next coach is, I think they do need to be judged on their, particularly on their test performance, and obviously the Ashes being the, the sort of pinnacle of that. Um, the T20 stuff's a little bit tricky. Obviously, you know how much variance there is in T20 cricket. Like, you know, a, a couple of balls can change the outlook of an entire tournament so you know there's not a whole lot that coaching can do when there's sort of just like you know entire matches an entire t20 tournament can be turned on one or two no i agree but a world cup a world cup yeah um it's a very impressive thing to put on your cv i wish i could oh no absolutely and i I think justin langer's achievements in the last uh, year or so as australian coach have been incredibly good um and i but i I will just try and offer a counterpoint and Mm. i'm not saying that this is my my beliefs but you know this is from what you've read and from what I understand, 
the the turn in results after they lost the Ashes, after they lost to India, after all of the sort of bad parts of Justin Langer's tenure happened. The, 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 the turning point seems to have happened after the sort of players got on the front foot and said, look, mate, we kind of need you to just be sort of yep. less on top of us and less involved and kind of take a back foot. And I would say that if... Yeah, and if you look, read basically what anyone that's sort of well-connected to the team around the last couple of years has said, they've all sort of universally said that in that last year or so, Langer's involvement in the team has been far less hands-on. So if that is true, and then the, the team's best run of results has come in the time where he's done the least coaching, well, I don't actually know if that is sort of a ringing endorsement of his, of his coaching ability. Mm. Okay, no, no, good argument, good counter-argument as well. And um, I guess, yeah, only those in... Yeah, in, yeah that's, in the, exactly. the corridors of power, all the team really know, you know what has what has played out. Anyway, he's gone. I wish him well, and uh, our listeners uh, look. I think the majority um, are flabbergasted yep. to borrow a term from um, the great late Rex Mossif. You know. Um, <laughs> now moving forward, um, we're a week away away from cricket. A week away from uh, Super Bowl. Super yep. Bowl, seven days away. I know you're an NFL um, tragic. You love it. I haven't been across it today. Any, any sort of news angles um, going into the match a week out from the, the big one? No, mate, not really. Um, you know, it all starts to really ramp up uh, after the media day in a couple of days' time. That's sort of when sort of, you know, teams are looking for the other one to give them ammunition and where we, where we really get those sort of amazing moments and, and cool sound bites that sort of carry us through to the game. Um yeah, it's it's a huge weekend of sport coming up, and it's usually you know this is apart from the Super Bowl, this is usually the kind of year, the kind of the time of the year where it's a little bit dead sport wise. The cricket's over, the Australian Open's over. I mean, that's why the Langer news came at sort of a great time from a work standpoint for me and for every other sports writer in the country because you know it was pretty much the deadest weekend of the year from a from a Australian sports point of view, but and from a world sports point of view in terms of Australian interest, but. Um, yeah, we've got that and the UFC this weekend. It's going to be fantastic. Um, I personally can't oh, wait. Oh, you're a UFC freak as well, are you? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I, I've I've covered the UFC for a couple of years now. I uh, yeah. did some interviews with, with Robert Whitaker, Israel Asanya, and Ty Cleaver over the last couple of weeks, if anyone wants to check yeah. those out on Wild Water Sports. But, you know, I think it's fair to say that that fight card on Sunday afternoon is, is in my opinion, the biggest ever in Australia, in, from an Australian context in UFC history because you've got Robert Whittaker fighting Israel Adesanya to try and regain the title that he lost a couple of years ago. Yep. And then in the co-main event, you've got Tai Tuivasa, mm-hmm. um, the former Penrith Panthers and Sydney Roosters uh, mm. rugby league player who, who became a fighter a few years ago fighting um, Derek Lewis, who's one of the top heavyweights in the world. And I think if he wins that fight, he would then be in line for a title shot later in wow. the year. So it's absolutely gigantic. And Casey O'Neill, female fighter on the card as well. So yeah. can't wait. What what sort of time we're we talking? Do you think on Sunday for those, uh, f- uh, say for the headline act? Yeah, well, you can. You, it's it's like boxing, right? You can never yeah. know exactly to the minute because it all depends on how yeah. long the fights go for. But the main card starts at two o'clock uh, New South Wales time, so uh, mm. Australian daylight savings time. Um, and so you would expect Whitaker's fight to be around three thirty, maybe just after. It just depends on how long the fights before that one go. But yeah, um, okay. yeah, so somewhere between three and four on on. Sunday afternoon. We might get you on Sunday. I think I'm in here with Sports Central. Would that be right? You know, you keep my diary for me. You will be here, Cowboy. Chris. I won't be, but you will oh, be. Oh, yeah. Okay. We have to have a chat about that. Thanks. Yeah. All good. All right. Yeah. Uh, sorry, mate. We're just breaking away from our chat here to have a little... You know, no, get, that's fine. Get, get it's diary. important to be organised. Absolutely. Um. <laughs> yes, absolutely it is. Um, yeah. What else? What else? What else? What um, else? In terms... Of, just back on um, Adesanya and, uh, and Whitaker. 
Um, what yep. sort of shape is is Whitaker in? Um, well, in, uh, in Com- his, compared to a couple of years yeah. ago, I mean. Yeah, so he he's definitely involved evolved as a fighter to an extent. I think his striking's improved. His wrestling's always been good, but that's gotten better as well. Um, he said personally, I know fighters always say things like this, but he thinks he says he's in the best shape of his career. He thinks he's a completely different fighter to what he was a couple of years ago. And for listeners who aren't UFC heads, Robert Whitaker was the first Australian UFC champion. He won the title a couple of years ago, and then he defended it against New Zealand's Israel Adesanya and lost it in a bit of an upset. And since then, there's sort of been very much a rivalry building between the two, and now they're finally. Three years later, they're going to get their hands on one another this weekend. And, you know, when two men get in the ring and get their hands on each other, anything can happen. So I can't mm. wait. I'm throwing out to our listeners, um, Matt, uh, Roosters fans out there, if, if they want to pick up the phone or, or jump on the text mm. line. A lot of people are suggesting they will um, they'll win the premiership this year. I'm hearing more yep. and more people jumping on the Roosters bandwagon. And they had a horror year last year. Um, what would you say would be a successful season for the Roosters, do they need to win it? Do they need to make the grand final? What would be the the bar of expectation? Well, I think I think their first priority just needs to be to get through a season without having half their team mm. suffer season-ending injuries. Mm. Um, but I agree with I agree with that sort of consensus of listeners you got. They're my pick to win the comp at the moment. I think I just think just given how many players they had out in the back half of last year, especially and the fact they still managed to make the finals and they were still managing to sort of be competitive for large chunks of the season. It's just a testament to how great of a coach Trent Robinson is. They get Joseph Suwali, who'll be a year older. They get Sam Walker, who's going to be a year older. They get Luke Keary back. They get a host mm. of other players back. They're going to be really tough to stop. I think that, I know it's boring, but it, it does kind of seem like, especially in the last three or four years, it does seem like it's the same team that mm. are good every single year. And in my opinion, it will just be Penrith, South Melbourne, and the Roosters as the, as, as the sort of teams to beat once again, which I know is a little bit boring to say, but... Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think some teams like the Bulldogs have made really good strides, but I don't think they're. I don't think they, they for example, are in a position to be sort of challenging those mm. guys at the top table just yet. So yeah, Roosters. In, in, from a Roosters point of view, it's hard, right? Because you know there are there are three or four really really good teams, and only one's allowed to win a premiership. That's just how it works. And you can go, you can you can just you can go five to ten years of being really good and only winning one or winning zero premierships. Well, you know, South have been pretty brilliant most mm. most say for probably one or two bad years there at the end of the Michael Maguire era, but from 2012 till now, they've made the prelims, I think, what, seven or eight times? Maybe they got one title to show for it. Like, yeah. that's just how it goes. So I think, like, you can't just say, oh, title or bust for the Roosters, but I do agree with you that I think if they're healthy, top four and a prelim or grand final appearance is the benchmark. Mm. You say the usual suspects seem to be, um, you know, the most competitive again. Yeah, well, I know it's boring. Man, but well, just, what's happening? Yeah. Well, the salary cap, what's happening to it? It mustn't be doing its job then, hey? Um, well, they're all spending or they should be spending about the same money. Matty Bungar, thanks for jumping on the line, mate. Always good to talk. And as I say, we might we might have a chat on Sunday, if, if you don't mind, if you're around. Um, talk oh, some, mate, talk uh, hopefully it's a very still. Yeah, hopefully it's a very celebratory atmosphere after Whitaker gets his belt back, but we'll see. Let's hope so. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. All righty. Uh, Matt Bunga there w, uh, from Wide World of Sports. Um, loves his uh, NFL, loves his uh, UFC, it seems, as well. Stay with us. We're going to talk Winter Olympics next. And uh, joining us uh, after the break will be Lockie McCurdy from Code Sports. Yeah, I just want to feel alive. This is Higher Ground with Chris Warren.
Yes, it is great to have your company as well. 20 to 10 in uh, New South Wales, 20 to 9 in uh, Queensland. You might be listening to us uh, through the SENQ app. In fact, you might be tuning in anywhere in the country. You might be anywhere on the planet. Could be. You might be in Beijing um, listening to us uh, via the app. Wherever you are, a very good evening um, or even morning. It might even be morning where you are listening to us. Talking about Beijing and, um, well, it's been a really successful, hasn't it? Um, 24 hours for us from an Aussie perspective, a gold and a bronze. um, And it's our first gold medal in, uh, what, a dozen years. Uh, So well, well done to uh, Jakara Anthony particularly. And... um, Tess Cody, too, was just uh, just amazing yesterday. Uh, joining us on the line, um, he's not in Beijing, but he is right across the Olympics, and you can read uh, all of his articles and a whole lot more at Code Sports. Lachlan McCurdy, good evening to you, mate. Thanks for, for joining us. Happy to be here, Chris. Yeah, we're a pretty monumental day yesterday. Just amazing, wasn't it? And we were we were here doing Sports Central, and we were right across the um, the snowboard, the, the slope, slope style, that's what, what, what you call it. Um, mm. And uh, she she was just incredible to get a bronze. Um, God, you could be, not be disappointed with that. You really can't be. And when you look into the story of Tess Cody, it's even more remarkable. This is her her second Olympics that she's qualified for, but the first time she's actually competed in uh, Pyeongchang back in 2018. She was there. She was in the team. She was Australia's youngest member of the Pyeongchang Winter Olympics team. But during training, in the lead up to her slopestyle event, she actually did her ACL. The conditions were horrible. They they had to actually call off qualifying not long after she suffered that injury. So she didn't mm. get to compete. She was out for the best part of a year, and she had this Olympic dream shattered. So for her to come back and pull off this incredible result, obviously she was right on the edge there. She was around the third or fourth mark for the entire final, and she pulled out a an 84.15 in their final run and just had to sit there and wait and watch rider after rider after rider come down. It was a, a very nerve-wracking wait for her, but she secured Australia's first medal of the Games with a, uh, I think everyone can agree, a well-deserved bronze medal. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I love listening to her speak as well. Um, and mm. then uh, fast forward, so um, celebrations, uh, what time was that about? That was around lunchtime-ish. And then we, we go through the evening um, and uh, we end up, um, we got all three, didn't we? Three of the girls through to the uh, the Moguls final um, and standing on top of the podium at the end of quite a, quite a long night was Jakara Anthony. I was watching the, the events unfold, the heats, and then the final with my, my, my young boys, and um, yeah, they didn't know anything about it, and, and I pretended as, <laughs> as being the dad, look, I know all about this stuff, kids. Um, but by the end of it, I'd watched that many of the girls go down. I sort of worked out how the scoring went. So, you know, out of your score of 100, you, you basically uh, you, you do your two jumps, and only 20% of your score is for what you do in the air, which uh, I didn't mm. realise. And you have to do two different jumps. So if you do the same jump twice, well, one of them doesn't count. And then, of course, you get points for your, um, your turns and, and your speed as well. So I've learned quite a lot. But what an amazing night it was for Jakara Anthony. And to be honest, Lockie, she was streets above the rest. She really was. She, she didn't record a, a single score behind, below 80 for her, the entire competition. She saved her, her best yesterday till the very last run with an 83.09. Yeah. She obviously she bettered that in her first qualification run back on Thursday. But to bring out... To have ridden three or four times in one day and do your best one in your last one, that says a lot about her pressure and her nerves of steel. But 
you're right. She just looked unflappable, essentially, that as the other girls in that final, the sixth final, mm. kind of faltered a little bit, a few mistakes started to creep in. Takara was the exact opposite. She switched on even more, but just looked so steady coming down, especially that mogul's run in between the two jumps is such a killer. We saw so many people go off course, lose time, but she just looked so calm and focused as she sort of flew down that mountain. And yeah, you could see the emotion on her face once she uh, found out she was in first. It was a phenomenal achievement. Yeah, no, it was. And you're right. Like um, the smallest thing can go wrong. You've got to have, you do have to have a bit of luck. It has to all come together on the night. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, as the commentators were saying, you know, she just must have, you know, um, nerves of steel to, to, to do that and, and bring it all together in the main event. So just an amazing performance. And I'm still wondering how they do it. Those knees are like giant shock absorbers or suspension on a, on a, on a four wheel mm. drive. It's just uh, quite incredible. Uh, I want to talk to you too in a moment. I don't know if, um, if you saw there have been a few accidents, um, one of which, um, was the, the female American slalom skier, Nina O'Brien. I, I haven't seen it actually yet, but it didn't look good. We might touch on that in a moment, but just still with the Aussie angle, um, tonight, Brendan Corey. So he takes mm. place in the 1,000 metres, um, the short track speed skating. What are his chances? Look, it's as, as we know, the 1,000 metres short track speed skating. Uh, that's where a little known Australian athlete by the name of Stephen Bradbury won his medal. And of course he, he got his medal by everyone falling down ahead of him. But quite like Stephen, Brendan is there because he's one of the best in the world. I think he, he's in the top 10 or maybe 11th in the world um, in this most recent season. So he's there and thereabouts. And mm. so he's got the first quarter final up first, which is tonight. And that's at about a bit around quarter to 11. And basically there's five in that race. The top two are guaranteed a spot in the semi-final, uh-huh. and then the the two best third place finishes will also go through. But just a, a little fun fact: obviously, we know Stephen Bradbury. He, he had a bit of luck to get that gold medal. Just a bit. Uh, Bre- Brendan Corey actually in his heat, he actually finished third, but the mm. Italian who finished ahead of him was actually penalised and brought down. So he finished the Aussie finished second and got pushed through to the quarterfinals straight away. Yeah. So. I don't know if you want to read into that, that we've got a little bit of history repeating or anything. It's 20 years since yeah. Stephen did his business. So that's the beauty of this short track speed skating. Anything can really happen. I was watching some of the long um, the long stuff last night, the speed skaters over the distance mm. and they, the way they squat down for, for such a long time. But they've got these long, long legs and they're almost like, I don't know, they're quads of steel. They're just so... Oh, uh, it must be such hard work. All right, uh, what what do we know about Brendan? Where's he from, etc. His upbringing. So he's actually um, really hasn't spent much time in Australia. He spent most of his junior life and years actually competing for Canada at junior levels. And only uh-huh. in the 2019-20 season did he kind of make the shift over to Australia. He's got some family lineage here, so he hasn't been competing for Australia for long. But this is his Olympic debut. It's been something he's been working up for for quite some time, and it's. It's great to have another short track speed skater um, on board. And, yeah, so it's, he, he might not be this true blue Aussie like Stephen Bradbury was, but he's well and truly there, happy to be competing for the green and gold. And oh. he knows that now he's got through to the quarterfinal, 
he, he feels ready. He knows that he can match it with the best of them. Oh, we'll take him. We'll take him, particularly if he can medal. <laughs> He's ours. Um, mm-hmm. So all eyes there. About quarter to 11, the quarterfinals uh, in the uh, the 1,000 metres short track speed skating. Um, so we'll be here and we'll be across it. Um, the finals around midnight, so we won't be uh, um, across that one. Um, so just back on that that accident, I, did you see mm-hmm. Nina O'Brien and what happened to her? Apparently, um, it was it was pretty graphic. Yeah, it, it wasn't great. Obviously, in, in the giant slalom, and the speeds they get up to coming down that hill are enormous. And mm. it was just on one right-hand turn. She kind of clipped from what I saw one of the poles and her legs just got in a really awkward position. And it, it just, it, it did not look good in terms of her, her left knee and her left leg in particular. I think, yeah, there was immediate concern. I mean, we saw the broadcasters and the, the TV just immediately cut away from it. So, mm. yeah, it, it's the sort of thing. And it's something that the Winter Olympics, unfortunately, is known for because there's yeah. such that dangerous aspect to these competitions that anything can go wrong. And I guess it's just part and parcel of the Winter Olympics that we've become used to seeing these um, graphic injuries. And it's never something you want to see, but it, it's just so unfortunate when it happens. Yeah, and there's a, another crash as well, the... Um, the German skier in, in the downhill, I think it was. Um, and I don't know if people are, are joining the dots saying it's it's because of the the you know the fake snow. I think it's a bit too premature to be, be linking the, the fake snow to the injuries or the crashes mm. that we've seen already. Um, all right, mate. Well, I appreciate you jumping on the line, Lockie. And, and you never, never know. History may repeat two decades on and uh, he may well have a, a little bit of luck, uh, Brendan Corey. Um hopefully as much luck as Steve Bradbury had back in, in Salt Lake City. Anything can happen. You're right. That All he needs is a top two finish in this first race, and then he's in the semifinals and the same again. So it's such a quick sport that you just got to be in it to win it, and that's exactly what he'll be. Beautiful stuff, Lockie. Thanks, as always, for joining us, mate. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Cheers, Chris. There is Lockie McCurdy from Code Sports and uh, becoming quite a regular on... Uh, um, programs that uh, I, I am hosting, which is good because he, he knows his stuff. He's knows his good. stuff. Yes. Knows his stuff and speaks really well as well. Uh, Wombat from Shell Harbour. Good evening, Chris. Good to hear you back on the air, mate. It's unbelievable what they've done to JL. Apart from the uh, Indian series, look at what he has done for Aussie cricket. I wonder who they will put in his place. Well, Andrew McDonald is in his place right now. Uh, Wombat, I don't know if that's going to be a, uh, a long-term thing. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. All right, we'll take a break and we'll come back and uh, we'll read out a few more texts. 0457 736 736. This is Higher Ground with Chris Warren. Let us know if you've been enjoying the Winter Olympics, if you've been tuning in. Um, look, at it, I, I, I always tune in if I can. Um, I don't sit there for hours on end watching it, but uh, certainly when there's an Aussie involved, um, it, for me anyway, it's must-watch TV, I think. A bit like the Summer Olympics too. When there's an Aussie involved, I um, I love seeing And particularly here in this role, we've spoken to quite a few of these athletes Yeah, back in the Summer Olympics. And, and with the winter, we've spoken to quite a few um, j- across various shows. So you you sort of keep an eye out too for those. Oh, yeah, I remember I remember chatting to him a couple of days ago, uh, like the fellow we chatted to yesterday who's doing the skeleton. Um, and there was another one. Oh, gee. Well, one of them was past. James Matheson. Yes. Of course. Yep. James spoke really well too. Is he in the 
you know, he just no, he just finished his second Olympics. Oh, he's in the moguls. He was in the yes. moguls, of course. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the other chap was in in the skeleton. Yeah. Uh, let us know though. Let us know if you're enjoying it. Um, and and read that text earlier from Fob Dogs. Um, yeah, great to see um, New Zealand get there. Uh, their very first Winter Olympics gold medal. So that Zoe Sadowski uh, Sinnott, I think that's pronouncing it the the right way. So she got the gold mm. um, that Tess yes, got the in bronze the, in, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, Waitangi Day was it? On yes. Waitangi. Do you know much about Waitangi Day? I don't. No, I don't either. But it's the national day. Of I feel New like Zealand. should. Yes. Oh, so it's their their Australia Day. Yeah, Sunday the sixth of February it was, which was yesterday. Well, there you go. Um, so well done to her um, as well. But just on the um, this is let, let's start gloating, shall we? Let's start gloating, and I'm sure the studio audience um, will like this as well. Uh, where did it go? I had it here. And, oh gee, I've lost it. I've lost it. But basically, Australia and New Zealand are both ahead of America and France and the likes of Austria as well on the medal tally. What about that? Hey. What about that? So I just had that all here in front of me on my phone and it's just disappeared. I was going to go through it. But we've got the gold and the bronze. Um, and, and, yeah, people going into the Winter Olympics were saying this probably will be or could be our most successful uh, Winter Olympics campaign. I was walking my dog this afternoon. Were you? At the same place I go to most afternoons. Mm. Uh, it's a dog park. Yep. Doggy heaven, actually. It's on. It's a. It's a beach. They love it. They have a swim, and mm. so there's a few regulars there, and we all know each other, and I know their dogs better than the owners. And, yep. Um, I prefer to spend time with some of the dogs than the owners, <laughs> but there's a few that are that are friends. You know, we've built up a relationship yeah. over a few years. You know, and we mm. know them well. Anyway, one of the ladies, I won't mention any names. Um, I started talking about the Olympics. Mm. Uh, well, actually, she said to me. Because she knows I'm, I'm in sport and radio. It doesn't know me very well. Yeah. And she said, Chris, um, did, were you here the other day? And that, that, that player that walked, that walked by, the really tall guy from Manly, um, um, what was his name? I said, Tom Trebojevic. Mm. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, oh, you told me. That, yeah. yeah. So I pointed out this, Tom Trebojevic. Very right? helpful. So yeah. He was walking his dog. Mm. Anyway, um, so this same lady. So she knows I'm in sport. And she said, uh, I was talking about the uh, the moguls last night. Yep. And the gold medal and all that. Yep. And she said, and very well educated, very you know, a corporate mm. woman, no, won't be watching a thing. Not having a bar of it. Really? Not having a bar of it. Why? Well, that's what I said. Why? She said, uh, basically... Basically, all about not the political stance of it, not the human rights issue, but well, sort of human rights issue. Mm. The amount of money that has gone into it mm. to make this fake snow. Yes, a lot of money. In effect, depriving yep. a lot of China mm. of water. Yes. I had some figures here in, in front of me. I, I haven't got the figures on, you know how many of the population and, and how much water is being taken away. Mm. But I can tell you, you know, the amount of of water yep. in a real dry area of China, which mm. is screaming out for it, mm. um, is being used for it. I'm just trying to find out where that is, but I had it here earlier. Here we go. So um, we know it's almost 100% artificial snow, yep. right? Yep. So they've got to make it. Yep. Yeah. Um, First used at the Winter Olympics, artificial snow uh, in 1980, but it's now become more commonplace at the Games. But it comes at significant risk and with a very big cost. Now, the risk is because you're depriving other parts of your country and, mm. and millions of people um, water. You know, the, 
the gift of life. Um, 1.2 million cubic metres of snow will be required for the Games, which are taking place in one of the most arid areas of China. And that will, will require an estimated 222 million litres of chemically treated water to be frozen. It's a lot. It is a lot, isn't it? Mm. And I won't bore our listeners mm. and go into it all, but, mm. you know, the percentages of, of water being taken, all that sort of stuff. Look, I want to uh, talk about Shane Warne as well. So he's made his yep. feelings very clear. Mm. Uh, recently, um, an article has appeared on the Fox Sports website. He's spoken on a, on a podcast. It's called the Follow On Podcast. He hasn't held back. So we might take a break, and uh, when we return, uh, we'll dive into uh, what Warney's had to say. And wonderful to have your company wherever you might be uh, tuning in, right around the country, right around the world, in fact, uh, via the SEN app. Um, I'm here with you right up until uh, midnight. Back end of the show, we're going to look back at some of the uh, some of the interviews across the day, across various programs, and Adam Gilchrist spoke this morning, I think it was. So... Um, look forward to that because he hasn't held back, Gilly. Shane Warne hasn't held back either. Uh, Re the Justin Langer fiasco. And I will get into that uh, very shortly. I'll, I'll go through some of what sh- the uh, what Shane Warne has uh, had to say. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. That's the open line number if you want to pick up the phone and have a chat. You might be a shift worker. You might be an insomniac. Or you might just be someone that likes the late nights. And uh, more specifically, likes listening to us here on Higher Ground. Uh, like our studio audience up there, they're always happy up there. They're, they're, yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. We can talk about anything uh, loosely related to sport. Uh, Shane is on the line. Good evening, Shane. How are you, mate? G'day, Chris. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the rugby league season starting up in a few weeks' time. Oh, aren't we all? Aren't we all? So who's your team? Am I assuming the Rabbitohs? Uh, para. Okay. Okay. Well, what do you think? What do you think? Is this the year for the mighty blue and golds? Oh, <laughs> I think Penrith might take it out again. And um, I think Melbourne Storm will run second and south third. Okay. And Brisbane might have a have a chance this year, I think, now that they've got Adam Reynolds. And, yeah. Yeah, well, they can and, only go up, can't they, the Bronx? I mean, Adam Reynolds will do an amazing job up there, I'm sure, and uh, the only way is up for them, um, whether they um, whether they make the top eight or not, I, I don't know. South Sydney, I, I think they might I think they might struggle a little bit, to, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, what about Canterbury? Well, again, like the Bronx, the only way is up. Shane, for them, I mean, you've you got you to gotta like what they've done, Canterbury. Um, a couple of years ago, um, maybe even three, a real basket case. Uh, when Desi Hansler left the place and he was inherited a, a problem from Raylene Castle, the joint was in a mess, the salary cap was in a mess, and that doesn't get fixed overnight. So it's been a, um, a few-year process. Um, they have now built their playing roster up very, very well. A number of key position players have come to the club. Um, the number seven, I'm still not sure about. But with Gus Gould there, um, and you know, Trent Barrett, he may have some detractors, Trent, and he's probably yet to get enough runs on the board for people to warm to Trent in terms of his coaching ability. I think he's a good coach. I know him pretty well. But with Gus there, I, I think the only way is up for Canterbury. Um and I would not be surprised, at all surprised, if they make the eight. 
Yeah, and um, what about the West Tigers? Well, poor old Madge. I mean, they've they've backed Madge last year. I mean, every week we were reading a new story, weren't they? Was Madge going to go? And it was either about Madge or Luke Brooks. And uh, then we had that Wild West documentary, which I think if they had their time again, if they had their time again, um, they'd say, you know what? We don't need this added exposure. We don't need any of our problems or um, highlighted. I think it was a real mistake for West Tigers However, financially lucrative it, it might have been, mate. I think they'll still. I think they'll still hover around mid table. Um, will they make the finals? If I'm honest, I don't think so. Yeah, and then and I'll tell you what. And, and the refs got a blowing penalty. Going to be back to blowing penalties now and for the ruck infringements now instead of ringing the bell for the six again. Well, what would you prefer? I mean, it got a bit farcical, I think, this year, didn't it? And coaches were exploiting it. So they were quite prepared to lay all over the ruck and uh, do whatever they needed to do to slow the play, the ball down, um, coming out of of the opposition end. But it got farcical. You you could almost – you didn't need a crystal ball. You go, here, watch this. Watch this one. The the bell will go here for sure, and sure enough, there goes the bell again. I think it's a good rule change, um, but I hope they don't make too many more rule changes. Shane, thanks for joining us, mate. Appreciate your call. Pick up the phone any time. There is Shane, a Parramatta fan from uh, Marrickville. Um, And, yeah, good luck to the the, the mighty blue and golds. um, They're always there or thereabouts in recent years. Some might say... Well, I don't like to say it, but perennial underachievers, they can get themselves to a good position into the finals, but just can't go on with it. You never, never know. This might be the year uh, for the Blue and Golds. Now, I've been saying I want to get into Shane Warne and uh, what he's had to say. You know my thoughts on the whole thing. I I won't go on. Um, You might say, Chris, what the hell do you know about cricket? Well, I don't. Well, I know a fair bit about it, actually, because I, I played it for quite a while and I support it. But you don't need to know a lot about it. This isn't necessarily about cricket. Mm. This is about man management and not just man management. This is about um, the governing body of Australian cricket, in my opinion, stuffing up, stuffing up big time. So Shane Warne has uh, labelled Cricket Australia's handling of the Langer's exit pathetic, a stinging attack on the governing body. This article on the Fox Sports website, and I'll go through most of it in full here. Warren didn't hold back in an exclusive interview with Fox Cricket's follow-on podcast, calling on Cricket Australia um, to chase AFL CEO Gil McLaughlin, questioning whether officials covered up a sensitive information after Cape Town and lamenting the influence of players in the modern era. But Australia's greatest ever bowler saved his bluntest assessment for Cricket Australia, two days after Nick Hockley accepted Langer's letter of resignation. To treat the head coach the way they have, it's an absolute disgrace what they've done, Warren says. All of us who have played with Justin, we're not just coming out because he's our friend or a great cricketer or Hall of Famer. We're coming out because it's the treatment of the coach. Forget it's Justin Langer. It's just the treatment of Cricket Australia and the way that they have handled the coach of the Australian cricket team. It's been pathetic, says Warren. He's not spoken to Langer, Warren says, in recent days, but we'll make contact eventually. Uh, in in the coming days. Warren goes on, um, the strongest attacks uh, came from Mitchell Johnson and uh, Matthew Hayden, while Adam Gilchrist expressed a sense of disbelief on this very station um, this morning, didn't he? Um, Warren argued the current Australian team is not yet great. 
and by orchestrating Langer's departure, may have set itself back several years. He says, we were finally starting to see the integrity coming back into the Australian cricket team. And it goes on. It's not a great Australian cricket team we are talking about here. But all that Justin Langer put in over three or four years, we're just starting to see the rewards of his hard work. His brutalness. Is that a word, brutalness? Brutality, wouldn't it be? It is now brutalness. Well, it is. Shane said it, so it must be right. His intensity and uh, his kick-up-the-backside approach to the players. You know why? Because they needed it. This is Shane Warne um, speaking on the the follow-on podcast. If they can start doing uh, this for another five or six years, not to lose at home, beat India away and beat England away, well, then we might start talking about this great Australian cricket team. But at the moment, they aren't great. If they didn't like his style and he'd lost the dressing room, well, they better start performing. They have to perform. Langer took over the Sandpaper Gate after Sandpaper Gate, as we know, in mid-2018 when Australian cricket was at its lowest ebb. Um, Without getting specific, Warren questioned whether Cricket Australia covered up the truth about what happened in Cape Town and hung Steve Smith, David Warner and Cam Bancroft out to dry. He says, we still don't know the truth about what actually happened at Sandpaper Gate. Does Cricket Australia know the truth? Do they? Do the same people know the truth about Sandpaper Gate? Are they hiding anything? We've seen that the bowling cartel, as they call themselves, or Winks or Goat and all these unbelievable nicknames they have for themselves, these guys wrote a letter saying they had no knowledge of whatever went on. This was back in Cape Town. And Shane says that might be correct. But if it's not, and they've done that, there are all sorts of whispers or rumours that we have all heard, and one day the truth will come out. Warren doubled down. Does Cricket Australia know the truth? Is it the truth that we've heard? Why should Smith and Warner be the only two? Who knows? But the truth will come out. If Cricket Australia is hiding something again after Justin Langer, Tim Payne, we could go on about all the other controversies that Cricket Australia has uh, just bungled, messed up and handled completely wrongly. And it goes on about player power and and all sorts of things. So um, you can read that article. I won't go through the whole lot of it, but uh, you get the gist of it. Um, Shane Warne not holding back. Well, he never does. He never does. That makes him uh, why he's uh, the king of spin and, and Shane Warne. Um, but again, generally, when Warney speaks, I, I listen, you know. Mm. Brutalness um, is a word, by the way. Brutalness is a word. It is. Good. You know what? Yeah. Have you been playing that other game? What's that game? Wordle. That, yeah. Have yeah, you started day. it? Oh, have you started it? Oh, yeah. I'm not going to give away today's answer. I'll struggle. No, a few of the people at the dog park. Yep. They've been tipping me into Wordle. Yeah, I've got a few other people onto Wordle as well. Is it quite... Um, addictive once you get into it. You, yeah, is well, it? You, you can only play it once a day, so you only. Oh, get... that's good. And how long does it take per game for uh, busy people? Busy, depending how long. Um, Roughly speaking, five, for a busy person five, with a few kids, five minutes. Oh, is that all? Yeah, but of course, you could guess through it correctly straight away, and which I, good chance I might. I'm generally quite good with the English language. Have you? However, seen... I didn't know brutalness. Well, yeah, I did. Have you seen how Wordle's played though? No. Five letter word. Right. And you just have to start guessing words with five letters in it. But you only get six chances. Okay. Mm. Like break? Correct. You want to go to one? Yeah. Hang on. Don't go yet. No. No, I want to know know more. Well, yeah, so. So how do I sign up? uh, Just Just Google it. Just type in Wordle into Google. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then 
The so explain the rules for our listeners that may not know, because I'm hearing a lot about this. It must be the, the, the in thing. TikTok was the in thing a while ago. Now it's Wordle. See, but... well, TikTok's still around as well. I never got into TikTok. No, okay, anyway, no, away not. from that. Uh, oh, wait, 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 hang on. While yeah. we're on it, while we... Do you get into the reality, ma- Married at First Sight and all that, that sort of no, stuff? No, I watched the very first series of maths six or seven years ago when it went for three weeks. And what are some of the others? Bachelor? Bachelorette? No, no, my all that stuff? My watches it. Good. I think I watched The Bachelor when Sam Frost was on it, or Bachelorette, but that was about it. Why? Uh, I don't know. My girlfriend was watching. Yeah. I watched the first series of Love Island as well. Oh. Big Brother was. So it. you do get into this no, stuff. No, no, but I, I knew you would. No, but right now the only you strike show, me as that sort of person. Big Brother. That was good in the. In well, I was in England when the original Big Brother mm. came out, so it was gripping. I loved it. Yeah. But that was. I don't. I haven't watched any of these. And that sort of kicked off the whole reality television yep. thing, didn't it? It would yeah. have been you know, 10 or more, 15 yeah. years ago. No. I, think I wouldn't have a clue any stars yeah. in maths. Or I don't watch maths. Farmer had a wife yeah. or <laughs> whatever they are. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Voice. So that too. So get, sorry, get back to the rules of Wordle. Yeah. So I think you get six rows um, and say you type in, so five letters in each row, obviously. So, so yeah. I say you type in great. Okay. So yep. first line, G-R-E-A-T. Yep. If you have the As letter, opposed to grading a carrot, yeah. yeah. So if, say G is where the letter starts, like yes. so it will come up green. If the word, right, if the letter Great. is, yeah, if the letter is in the word, mm-hmm. but not in the right place, Position, right. it will come up gold. Okay. So, or if it's not in the word at all, it will come up black, non, uh, silver sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah, okay. And so you just keep guessing. And you've got how long to guess? Oh, you could play it all day. But you only get one a day. Okay. At midnight, it ticks over. So the objective is to get it as quick as you can in like two rows or three rows or... Yeah, but you, yeah, yes, that's mm. right. Sometimes people have done it one because sometimes, like, I always start with the word great. Oh, so you have a go-to word. Yes, because great as well. And how many five-letter words are there? You're eventually exactly. going to get it. Yeah, but you only get six chances and it changes every day. I've failed the past few days. Have you? Yeah, it's disappointing. I should show you in the break. Yeah, all right. Well, this is high ground. It is a sports program. Some might call sports it a... Sports a five-letter word. Yes, it is. Some might say a hard-hitting sports program where we delve into the big issues of the day. And we have touched on a few of them tonight, uh, but we do talk a little bit of uh, rubbish as well. Another five-letter word, as I said before, is break. All righty, time to talk uh, more cricket. And no, I'm, I'm not going to get too bogged down, as I said at the top of the show, in the Justin Langer decision uh, made by him, um, but also forced into a corner by Cricket Australia. Joining us uh, on the line now is Sam Landsberger, a cricket journalist, and uh, he wrote a really good article today um, about the future of the Big Bash. It was in the Daily Telegraph, and I thought uh, I'd pick up the phone and get him on the show uh, to talk through um, some of the, the changes that might be happening to the BBL. So firstly, very good evening. Sam, thanks for joining us. Pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. Mate, this time of the year, and we've been saying it for a while, uh, uh, pleasure having you, mate, actually. Um, the BBL, it, it's getting longer by uh, in terms of games. It's getting longer in terms of the duration of games. The season sort of is stretching a bit too far. Back in its heyday, uh, the popularity was higher. I believe the viewing figures were a lot higher as well. Are we going to see some changes um, for the next edition of the BBL? I think you can take that to the bank. I think we're um, basically going to 
almost, not start again, but I think everything is is up for debate now. I think there's going to be significant rule changes for next year. I think they're going to do an economic analysis, analysis as to see whether expansion is the right call. We could see more clubs planted to come into the competition in the next couple of years, and they're desperate to get the game time back below three hours. I think it trickled over to about three and a half hours or an average of three hours and 15 minutes this year, which is just way too long for a game of T20 cricket. And mm. there's no doubt, which I think the big one, is that the um, the length of the season is up for debate as well. We've seen the the 14-round season in place for four years now. I think mm. that's been the main bugbear of not only fans, but players as well who think there's too much cricket being played. And the games probably lose a bit of value, given that you can drop a bundle of games and mm. still make the finals because you only need to finish in the top five. So I think everything is on the table here. And yeah, I, I spoke to Alistair Dobson, who runs the competition last week, and he promised that they're going to be really bold and, and imaginative to try and sort of recapture those audiences which have started to, to turn off um mm. as you spoke about off the top five years ago it was there was a real magic in the year about it you turn on the tv every night and you know that you're going to be entertained and i think that's certainly been on the, the decline for some time now and they haven't got their heads in the sand they're going to try and fix it well as i touched on earlier and and you you've written here in your article um oftentimes a less is more approach works um however however we are governed, aren't we, by the golden dollar? We are governed largely across all sports by the broadcast deals. And, and more often than not, the bulk of your, your organization's revenue comes from the broadcast mm. agreement. So I, am I right in saying there's still a couple of years left on the current broadcast deal? Um, and there would be uh, clauses in that deal, I would have thought, that stipulate um, that competition should be no fewer than, say, the current 56 games plus finals, I think it is. So it's a bit difficult probably to change on the run in the middle of a, a broadcast deal. It's a really good point, and I think it's going to be a really really interesting 12 months for, in the, for negotiations between Cricket Australia and the two broadcasters because, as you very, very rightly point out, they've signed this $1.2 billion TV contract, and they've paid for 56 home and away games. So mm. if there are suddenly only 40 games each year and we go back to a 10-round season, are they getting what they've paid for? Now, I think there's probably an argument which Cricket Australia might put forward to say, well, hang on, if we put the same amount of money in those 40 games and we yeah. can del- deliver 40 really awesome games, does that maintain the value? I mean, would the mm. would the broadcasters save on production costs and, and, uh, and talent costs? But they might be able to reach a resolution that way. I spoke to Alistair Dobson, and he wouldn't be drawn on that. I think it's a really sensitive issue um, for them at the moment. But I've got no doubt that if everyone wanted to align and get on the same page and actually play less cricket, and they thought that they could actually increase the value by playing less games, Mm. um, suddenly those contracts don't mean too much. I remember back in 2020 when... The pandemic started and the AFL shortened the season from 22 home and, home and away rounds to 17. Mm. Yes, they accepted less money, but they actually extended the TV deal. So they spread the money over more years. So there's certainly ways that you can rewire these contracts on the run, but it, it does get really difficult. So there's two years to go on that deal. So mm. um, to play less games in the next two years, everyone's going to need to come to the party. But there's so many contracts that sit around the BBL in terms of venue agreements and MOUs that, um, yeah, a lot of consultation is going to be required. But I, I, to put it shortly, I don't think I don't think no is 
um, is the answer. I think there's a way this can be done, but mm. it's certainly going to be a lot of hard work and, yeah, a lot of different stakeholders are going to have to come to the party. Well, the current uh, rights holders, um, and, you know, who are the current rights holders of BBL? Is it shared across with Fox Sports? Um, yeah, so... And, um, and Seven, yeah, right? Fox has, I think... Fox has, I think, 16 exclusive games. They show every game, and, and Seven as well yeah. show the bulk of them. So, so yeah, Seven and Fox are the other So, yeah. the, the selling point, the sales pitch from, from uh, the BBL organisers uh, is this, and it is very much less is more. If they can if they can sort of almost prove, I don't know how they're going to do it, uh, we can't deliver the 56 games. We're going to only deliver about 40 games, but we believe um, the product quality will be much higher and it will attract more eyeballs to uh to your programming and there you go you can sell additional advertising so that's the sales pitch from them we'll have to just wait and see because um what we saw this year what we saw, and I know we had COVID. I know we had players the English players go home I know we haven't got the you know the big name mm. players that we've had in yesteryear but it just got a little bit tiresome at the end and um the matches really the bulk of them a lot of them were not so competitive. That's the, that's the interesting part as well. I know from speaking to these guys last week, the, the, the one thing they can't control is the quality of cricket. And it mm. seems like we've almost reached a stage in T20 cricket, certainly in the BBL sphere, that, that it's starting to get a little bit predictable, that there's sort of a, a formula that you would go through to win each game. I think this season, 63% of games were won by the team batting first. Now, that's actually mm. at odds with previous years. I think the highest percentage before this year was 51 way back in BBL 01, so, so 10 years ago. So um, I think we had, I think, zero run chases over 177. And, um, yeah, th- there weren't very many successful run chases. Now, the best result for TV is bat first, mate 160, and the chase goes right down to the wire, which is mm. what we saw in that um, preliminary final, the challenger final, when the, the Sixers eliminated the strikers. That really didn't play out. So I think the rules are on the table as well. I think the bash boost point will go. I think the egg tractor rule will go. I think the power surge is here to stay. And I mm. think they're going to get really, really funky and creative in terms of get, getting that game length down below three hours. Mm. Uh, they tried to do it this year. They implemented a timeout rule, which we didn't even see. Um, I don't think that's ever going to be seen. That's where if a batsman isn't ready to face up in 75 seconds, yeah. that the bowler gets um, a free hit and they can basically bowl at the stumps without the batsman being on yeah. strike. That's never going to happen. No one's going to not get out there in 75 seconds. But yeah. I think next year there's going to be some real strict governance around the time limits of games so that they can get that game like, game length down. And I think those two quirky rules, which have had two years of data now, will go. And they're going to try and really shake this this, this thing up. I'm talking to uh, News Limited journo Sam Landsberger about the Big Bash League and, and the need. Let's call it a need for change because I think all the stakeholders, um, they will be nodding, saying, look, we, we do need to, to make some changes. Back on one point you made earlier, Sam, um, about the eight um, current franchises, mm. if you like, increasing. Um, when do you think that might happen? And, and, and what sort of regions or areas are we talking about? Look, my strong feel is that Canberra is the best place to become the ninth franchise. I think they've got a great stadium down at Monica Roval. They've got a fan base which turns up game after game for the Thunder games that are down there. So I think they are very firmly in the box seat. Um, if they do bring in a ninth franchise, I think the other parts of Australia they would look at is final Queensland and the Gold Coast in, in Queensland, a second team in WA and Geelong in Victoria. So I think... They're the cities which um, I think they might do an economic analysis on. But I think Canberra, by far and away, appeals 
right now as, as the leader. Um, as, as for a time frame, I'm not too sure. I mean, the, these sorts of studies, they take a long time to do. Uh, you know, probably the next TV deal would be the most likely. That's me sort of yeah. putting two and two together there. I, I don't think it's going to be next year, but I think this is a year that they're going to start doing those studies and, and having a look at who would who might be the most viable city. And, yeah, logic would suggest that you wouldn't go to nine teams. You'd probably go from eight to ten. Yeah, no, I was just, that was my next point. I, I think they'd probably go from eight to ten. And finally, mate, um, what about the salary cap? Where is it currently at? And then are we expecting changes there as well? Yeah, I, I do. I think that's going to go up significantly, but I think they're looking at how how they do that exactly. So it's currently at $1.95 million per club, which, if we're honest, uh, it's not much. When you compare it to all the leagues popping up around the world, you can go and play in Bangladesh or all these places and basically earn tax-free money and a lot more of it at the same time for, for less work because they're playing less games in a shorter time period. So I think they're looking at the salary cap mainly in two parts. It's how much do we play the overseas players and can we maybe increase that that quota over the salary cap so we can get you know more you know Andre Russell back year after year and more mm. of these absolute big names which will bump on seats and they're also looking at righto how do we align our salary cap to make sure that the Steve Smith fiasco never happens again and that if if an Australian player wants to play in the Big Bash they can so I think they're going to try and align each Australian player with the club um, and it's just sort of but the clubs don't want to be signing these players and having them chew up the salary cash without playing a single game, which mm. does happen quite a bit at the minute. So I think they're looking at increasing that amount, and it's just a matter of how they structure it. So that, you know, one, that yeah, if Steve Smith wants to play, he can. And so we can get more and more of the best overseas players. And on that point as well, I think the overseas player draft will come in next year. So uh, mm. Rashid Khan, he might be, for example, a marquee player because he's been at the strikers so long. They might have him locked away. But for the sort of the... Uh, the um, yeah, the peripheral international players, I think they'll go under the hammer, not under the hammer, but up to a draft where, mm. um, you know, it might be AFL style. The, the wooden spooner gets the first pick and, and they're on from mm. after that. Well, Sam, thanks for your time, mate. You make some really good points. And uh, that was the article you, you wrote today in the Daily Telegraph. Appreciate you joining us on Higher Ground. Anytime, Chris. All the very best. Thanks for having me. You too, mate. There he is, Sam Landsberger from the Daily Telegraph. Um, and you might have your thoughts on that as well. The Big Bash. Um, is it too long? Has it has it lost some of its sex appeal? Let us know. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Hope you're well. Hope you're having an enjoyable evening. Monday uh, Monday night, right up until midnight. In fact, it is yes, Monday night, and uh, we'll be back here on Wednesday night. I believe Friday night as well. Higher ground. Uh, you you need to talk to me, do you? Yeah, I don't think we've. Is this something you need to do off air? Yeah, yeah. We'll talk. We're we're here Wednesday though. We are here Wednesday. Yes. I am here Friday. Are you? I'm asking. That's a question. Uh, Couldn't you tell the inflection? Yeah. uh, I am here Friday? I'm not sure. Oh, I think I am. Do you? I'll have to check the schedules. I'll check it for you. Okay. Thank you. I love love your work. Now, um, not this Friday. I'm not. T20 this Friday. Okay. Well, I better make plans. You better. Hey, exactly. all righty. Okay, right. Now, come on, let's, let's be serious here. Uh, this text here, Steve from Padstow. Uh, Chris, love your work. Congrats on Rabs. Um, is it, uh, I can't read this, uh, 100% state of origin, uh, his 100th state of origin call coming up. Uh, he's the best, Steve from Padstow. Thank you, Steve. Uh, there was an article yesterday in The Telegraph um, written by Buzz Rothfield. Mm. Uh, 
And, uh, well, I can't guarantee that that is 100% correct because I'm, I'm not quite sure. I don't think Ray is, is sure either no. if, um, if he'll be doing it. So um, you can't always believe what you read. Most of the times uh, you can. Mm. Um, and there is a chance that he will call Origin. But I don't know that it is set in stone yet. No. So um, not quite sure on that one, Steve. Now, what else were we going to talk about? Um, on the Justin Langer stuff, and I said I wouldn't bang on too much about it, but uh, there just seems to be so many of his, his former teammates rallying around him, as you would expect. And I think they're very much reflective um, of the sentiment, public sentiment as a whole. We, we've had texts tonight uh, saying they 100% agree with the way it's been handled. Bondi Jack, for one. But I think in the main, people think it's it's been handled very, very poorly, uh, myself included. Adam Gilchrist, he spoke on SEN this morning. Um, he spoke about... JL being painted as some sort of monster, and he spoke about a range of other things. Now, in the back hour of the show after 11, uh, we'll play the interview in full of what uh, Gilly had to say this morning, but here's just a snippet. It's done. The player group has to know that they've got to manage that forward going now, uh, going forward now with whoever fills that role permanently, and, and, and they may well sit back in years' time and say, look, we did it. We got the results, but the cost on a human being and his family and the method which, which, with which everyone has gone about this and none the least Cricket Australia and the board, it's, it just stuns me that they, they, they have been prepared, like Gideon Hay mentioned, that, they, that the personal capital and, and the, the human capital that they are happy to, to churn and burn is extraordinary. I think it's quite reckless. And some of the decision-making over a long period of time in there has been fueled by greed. And it, it really leaves me staggered. Well, there you are. It leaves him staggered. Uh, churn and burn. Um, yes, indeed. So there you have it. So we'll play the full interview a bit later on. So if you want to tune around, if you're still awake, uh, as I say, you might be a shift worker. You might be, um, you might be driving. You might be laying in bed trying to get to sleep. Um, and I hope I don't put you to sleep. Uh, that wouldn't be um, a compliment at all. No. Would it? No. But you wouldn't be put No. NBL, round the grounds we go. Uh, this was uh, finished about an hour ago, I think. Yeah. So I'm a little bit uh, slow on this one. But uh, a narrow win. Uh, Southeast Melbourne, Phoenix have beaten uh, Illawarra Hawks 88 to 87. So I'll run through the NBL standings then as we stand. And out in front, Perth Wildcats, then Southeast Melbourne, uh, Melbourne United, and the Jack Jumpers. Aren't they doing well in season one? Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. And then we have the Illawarra Hawks and Sydney Kings, Cairns Taipans, Adelaide 36ers, the Brisbane Bullets, and at the bottom, uh, New Zealand Breakers. So there you go. A one point victory uh, for Southeast Melbourne over the Illawarra Hawks. Rugby league-wise, so uh, what have we got? Less than a week now, and, and rugby league is back on our screens and, and back on our, our radio stations and, and on the SEN app, and uh, looking forward to that. The All-Stars, the Indigenous team against the, the Maori team, and uh, Josh Addo-Carr has been announced captain. Was that uh, today or was it yes? I think it might have been yesterday, uh, of the Indigenous side. Also with... Um, uh, the rugby league 
news, and not breaking news, but to just summing up some of the stuff that is happening uh, around the game. Jason Talmalolo, yes, uh, the $10 million man, has confirmed that he is COVID compliant, putting to bed fears that he may be forced to sit out games due to his vaccination status. Uh, there was a doubt over whether Talmalolo's spot in the Cowboys side this season um, would be taken after it was revealed that uh, he was in a group of less than 10 players that had not received the COVID-19 vax. Uh, Cowboys coach Todd Payton told reporters last week that the entire squad was NRL protocols and then government health orders was compliant, I guess. All right. So um, can you imagine that, right? Can you imagine mm. that? Your highest paid player mm. and your best player. Uh, but yeah, you know, I can only play a few games, guys. I, you know, it just doesn't. You can't have. You can't have it. You can't have it. Anyway, uh, good news for the Cowboys. So, uh, Josh Adokar, he'll skip at the Indigenous All Stars team uh, in Saturday night's uh, match against the Maori All Stars. Now, I'm not saying it right, am I, Maori? Because I've been saying Maori all my life, and it's wrong. Mm. I'm sure there's a better pronunciation probably of it. Is. Oh, I don't know, but probably is. Well, how do you pronounce it, Maori? Yeah, no, same, same as me. Thing. Yeah, no, we're wrong. Yeah. And any of our listeners, New Zealand listeners, will correct us on the, should. the correct pronunciation. Mm. Uh, Maori, Maori, or, uh, yeah, mm. it's too hard to change because I've been saying, I don't mean any disrespect, but Maori, uh, Maori also us. So uh, Josh Adokar, who joins the Bulldogs, um, he takes over the role uh, in the absence of uh, South Sydney playmaker Cody Walker who is unavailable. Reese Walsh, uh, you would have read today, reportedly unsettled at the New Zealand Warriors and is eyeing a return to Queensland. I'm still shaking my head. So too Brisbane fans and how they let Reese Walsh go. That was one almighty stuff up. Uh, anyway, he's currently based in Redcliffe uh, with the Warriors this season. So they'll be there all year again, sadly for them, but... It's just the way it is, um, and he could well remain um, in Redcliffe if he decides to sign with the Dolphins. So he's got another couple of years on his deal with the Warriors, but money talks, and what really do contracts mean these days? If he wants out, he will get out. And if he has been earmarked as Wayne Bennett's man or marquee signing, well, not often does Wayne Bennett not get his, his man. So uh, Reese Walsh is uh, yet to seek an official release. But there are multiple sources have said that the uh, the fullback is feeling uneasy at the Warriors. And it's inevitable that uh, Walsh and his family will return to a Queensland club. Um, so there you have it, Reese Walsh. Yeah, he would be, uh, he'd be a very, very handy signing. Uh, Jack Bird has spoken today as well. Um, has there been a a player with less luck on the injury front than Jack Bird? I don't think there has. Uh, we would need another hour of the program to go through his uh, his history with the injuries. Uh, you got to feel for him, but he had a really good season last year. A really good season uh, with the Dragons. And I know that Anthony Griffin is a big fan of, of Jack Bird. And in his prime, injury-free, really talented player. Things didn't work out for him in Brisbane. And uh, they cut him loose. But you just want to get a couple of years with no injuries for Jack Bird. Um, 
and he may well find himself in the in the you know, wearing a thirteen. Who knows? But uh, um, there is talk, I think, of him um, signing a new contract with the Dragons. So he had to prove last year, didn't he, that the body was okay, which he did. Um, and I hope he does sign uh, an extension there because I'm sure there's still plenty of really, really good football in the legs of Jack Bird. He's only 27, I think, 26. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that. Now, the Winter Olympics, the short course speed skating is underway. The quarterfinals, uh, it's scheduled to be underway. We might take a quick break. Now, Brendan Corey is the only Aussie in action tonight. And this is the event that was made famous by Steve Bradbury two decades ago. So we'll take a break and we'll keep an eye out on the... Uh, on the form or the performance of Brendan Corey. This is higher ground. Yes, it is. We've just seen a stack, a big stack in the first of the men's quarterfinals in the 1,000 metres short track speed skating. Um, the Aussie involved Brendan Corey. He's not involved in the first quarterfinal, thank goodness. But uh, they went down, skidded like 10 pins. Got to be careful too. Those blades, if they went across your leg... Um, that ice would soon be, soon be turning crimson. We uh, will try and keep you across, uh, Brendan Corey, or you can uh, look at the Channel 7 uh, now, and uh, he'll be coming on the ice uh, pretty pretty soon. Uh, a tweet here from Phil Gould, not about football, mm. not about rugby league, mm. but about cricket oh. and Justin Langer. And Gus says this. It's a good point too, well made. Mm. I let him know. Yes, I saw that. Uh, so, he says, if the coach had nothing to do with winning the T20 World Cup or Ashes series, if he made no worthwhile contribution to these successes at all, then the question needs to be asked, does the Australian cricket team need a coach at all? Good question. Maybe play some think music. You can have your thoughts on that. 0457 736 736. So we will keep you up and uh, look at the uh, medical attendants now. Uh, they're out on the ice. So one of those skaters looks to be in a, a fairly bad way. Um, there's no blood or anything. I'm not saying, uh, but we'll keep you up to speed on that. Hopefully uh, he is okay. Also coming up is the medal ceremony um, for Jakara Anthony. She'll be shortly receiving her gold medal. Fantastic. So we best take a break. Friday, what did you do? You got time to tell me that or not? T uh, twenty. Oh, oh well, oh, no, well, uh, no, no, no. T twenty is this Friday. That's right. Yes. Gee, it does. It comes around quickly, doesn't it? It does, doesn't quickly. it? All righty, we'll take a break and back with more. Yeah, time now for the rewind on higher ground, where we look back at some of the, the big stories across the station from today and across the weekend. We'll start with Adam Gilchrist, who spoke to, uh, with Jared Whateley uh, on his special this morning uh, surrounding the sacking of Justin Langer, and he didn't hold back with his thoughts either. We start with Adam Gilchrist. Um, distinct, I suspect, in the Republic of Western Australia, where this is burning most furiously, co-host of Gilly and Goss. Uh, Gilly, great to have you on the program. Hey, Jared, how are you, mate? Uh, yeah, you're right. The, the, uh, it's a hard, hard border. It doesn't let too many things in. But, uh, yes, all the, uh, the discussion, the stench, depending on which way you look at it, but whatever the case, the, the news has travelled, obviously, uh, thick and fast over here to the west. And uh, there's a, a fairly patriotic sort of um, uh, group, of, uh, given that we are classified as our own nation now, that... Uh, vehemently supporting Justin. Uh, but look, I think in all seriousness, it's it's not just, I think it'd be uh, shallow to say it's just West Australians that are, are supporting him. Uh, and it's it, there's 
West Australians who may have the other view that it, perhaps it was time for him to go. So I think um, it's reflective across everywhere that there, there is the opportunity for people to have their own individual view on the situation. But, um, but I think just that quote there that I heard, I think it was Gideon Hay in that little montage of clips saying that it's just the, the uncertainty of truth or the, the, the un, uh, lack of information that the public who you know, we often hear are the key stakeholders in the game, and I'd like to get to that word stakeholder eventually, but uh, that the public, uh, we're bereft of information continually from Cricket Australia, and it seems, take, take the decision that was made out of it, it's the follow-up and, and, and the lead-up to the decision that just baffles so many people and means it's very, very hard to form a solid judgment on what actually has happened. It is a lack of detail and almost a feeling that things are continually being covered up and tried to be swept under the carpet to move ahead in the, in the understanding that it may just go away and, and it feels like we're at that place again. Did you have an emotional reaction when you heard how it had resolved? I had a very emotional reaction. You know, it goes without saying that Justin Langer and I and many other players that he played with are as tight a group of friends as it, we could ever possibly hope to have. So that, that's a given and that's on the table. I think he was a remarkably amazing cricketer and, and I think he's a, an even better person. Uh, and I personally think that his coaching record over 10 years would say that he's possibly one of, if not the most successful coaches in, in the history of the game. That That's fine. I don't want to get emotional. That's why I didn't say anything on the day of the announcement because I didn't feel that it would be worth my while adding to an emotional piling of which can be completely understood if if you're a friend of Justin's. But uh, as I say, sitting back and and stepping back and and thinking about the scenario, it's, again, not necessarily the decision that has been made, but the scenario that has been created, again, that is probably of what I think greater concern and something that uh, the public who are expected to support this game, uh, that's more concerning. So the change of the past four years from when Justin came to the job to he departs, is there a risk that that work is undone in his departure? Look, I think I think there is a, a big risk from the public perception. Um, we all know the old line about perception and reality. Uh, but and, and everyone who's followed this knows that Justin was asked to come in and, and do a job and pick the team up and the profile of the team and the perception of the team in a public space right up out of the gutter. And that's, let's be honest, that's where it was one of the lowest moments in Australian career history. So he was tasked with a job and there's no denying that he's successfully done that. What, what I wonder, and I, I don't care to get into a battle with you know, current players, you know, the, the, it, that's been going on for every generation after generation, hasn't it? But I remember I've, I've tried to put my player cap back on and I remember as a player, we thought we knew it all. We thought we knew everything that was right and how things should go. And it's only through time and, and hindsight that you realise that you didn't. 
and and that's simple. That's life, and that's experience as we um, move ahead and and learn and draw on those experiences and start to get perspective, particularly from uh, and guidance from more experienced people, and then you start to formulate differing opinions at times. So that that's fine, and and the players are well and truly entitled to have their uh, input into back to head office to say how things are going and and how they feel about situations. That's that's not in dispute here at all. What I'm concerned about is is the governance model, the governance qualities at Creed Australia once again. They get Justin to come in and do that very, very challenging job. They, he does a job with complete and utter conviction and commitment. And four years later, the same very players that were right at the heartbeat of taking the game down into that uh, unenvious position gave their opinion and the board that control the game, that run this game, have now taken, and I don't care to listen to any more of the corporate speak about transition and uh, trying to um, analysis uh, of, of the coach's position and, and all that um, needs analysis and requirements and evolution. That's just covering up that the players and, and certain support staff around that team have spoken and they no longer want to justin there. Again, the players, I'm not inside that camp, so I can't question whether they are well-intentioned or not. I'm sure they're well-intentioned from the way they see it. But this board, I just can't believe that someone on that board didn't stand up in the meeting, and they may well have done it, Jared, and said, hang on, hang on. How are the optics going to look on this first and foremost? What's the public going to think after what we asked Justin to do? And really, do we think that we should be placing that decision-making back to the group that we found ourselves in the very situation four years ago? And it, I'm just stunned that that, and it may well, as I said, it may well have happened, but whatever the case, the CEO was told to go out there and front up to the public and carry on with those, the wording uh, and the continued references of those big key words that was corporate speak. It just, that's what I found really frustrating and really challenging. Do you accept the explanation that Langer was an obstacle to unity at the moment within that dressing room? Absolutely, there seems to have been some sort of disunity there. There's no denying that. I don't think the players would have pushed so hard, both uh, privately to create Australia and clearly, and I, I could not tell you, I have no clue of what and if players were doing it or player managers, but but very much feeding information to the press. There was a concerted effort to have Justin pushed out of the position. So that wouldn't have been going on if there wasn't some people inside that tent that had a real issue with Justin. Whether it was everyone, gee, I, look, I, I'm not sure. I mean, a lot of people have been saying it's only his mates and his ex-players, ex-teammates and, and guys that played with him that are, are supporting him, not one player has supported him publicly. I, I think there has been some, some nice comments from players, from younger players that have shown a, a, a support. And I would hazard a guess to say that there was players within the, the current setup that are in the team at the moment across the various formats 
that actually really do like the, his method and his the impact that he's had on their game. But are they going to come out and speak strongly and openly in support of him being reappointed when they know the overriding mood of the stronger personalities, the people that are regulars there, the people that have very, very uh, compelling situations around the cricketing globe now where the focus of playing for Australia as an outsider and the cynic may say is being questioned in amongst all the, all the uh, cricket that is on the landscape. That's, that's an easy perception for people to have out there. So I would say that, yes, there's been discontent in there. There's people that don't like uh, certain things about his style and technique, but I wouldn't personally believe, I find it hard to fathom, that it is the entire player group. How deeply affected has Justin been by it, Gilly? Well, I just think anyone should sit back and, and try to place themselves in that position of where for the course of 12 months, and it, it turned up very quickly after the Indian series lost last summer, there just seemed immediately in sections of the press and certain people and, and clearly within the play group that it was time to act, that that, that the blame for that loss very much was dissipated by a focus on the coach. It was the focus was taken off the fact that the players didn't get it done against an understrength Indian team. That's the fact. So put since then, through to the through to the now where daily, every day, he is being put out in a situation and painted a certain way, he's being painted by some particular people as a monster. That is not Justin Langer. He'll be the first to admit that he has his uh, frailties, he has his his areas of weakness, but gee, he'll sit and look you in the eye and, and he'll work it out with you. So he's being painted as a monster. What sort of effect does that would that have on you personally? And what's the flow-on effect onto your family and the people that are closest and nearest and dearest to you, particularly through a period of time when you are not really understanding what is going on. It, it's continual rumour and innuendo. And then I think he state, stated it perfectly in his resignation letter. You know, honesty, respect, trust, truth, performance. And that, unfortunately, he felt a compelling need to say, if that's been the trouble, I apologise. That's the, they're the foundations that he bases his life on. And I, I totally agree with him and, I unfortunately, disagree with him that he felt a need to apologise because that shouldn't be a situation. They could have offered him a five-year deal, but I think through this last few days, Justin realised that a lot of those key fundamentals and values that he has always consistently based his life on, there was very, very little of that coming either from within the group or from Cricket Australia. And that's, again, where I think my focus goes to now. It's done. The player group have to know that they've got to manage that forward going now, uh, going forward now with whoever fills that role permanently. And, and, and they may well sit back in years' time and say, look, we did it. We got the results. But the cost on a human being and his family and the method which, which, with which everyone has gone about this and none the least Cricket Australia and the board, it's, it just stuns me that they, they have been prepared, like Gideon Hay mentioned, that, they, that the personal 
capital and, and the, the human capital that they are happy to, to churn and burn is extraordinary. I think it's quite reckless. And some of the decision-making over a long period of time in there has been fueled by greed. And it, it really leaves me staggered. Gilly, it's good to get your thoughts. Good luck with the quarantine period and we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Jared. Adam Gilchrist gets our hour underway. Good to hear from SEN host and uh, cricketing legend Adam Gilchrist to uh, get his take on the whole issue, uh, the scandal, the circus um, over the big news over the last uh, few days. Welcome back to the Rewind on Higher Ground. And this morning, Jimmy Smith and Michael Karianis caught up with Dragons forward and All-Stars squad member Josh Kerr as we look towards the All-Stars match on Saturday night. It's now becoming uh, a very important part of the rugby league calendar. It um, inevitably is the start to the NRL season. I'm talking about the All-Stars game, Indigenous All-Stars for the Maori All-Stars. It's a great week. Uh, we wonder how much they're going to be able to get out and get into the community. Uh, it's at Combank Stadium, and that's a first for the match. It's great to have Josh Kerr from the Indigenous All-Stars on the line. G'day, Josh. G'day, guys. How you going? Yeah, really well. How about you? We were talking about it earlier, um, and, and Michael Karianis was talking about how he spoke to you the day it was announced that you were going to make your All-Stars debut before you make your NRL debut and how excited you were. Does that excitement remain for this year's match, Josh? Oh, mate, definitely. Remember the day like it was just yesterday, mate. It's, um, it was probably the most scared I've ever been, if I'm being honest. But, uh, mate, honestly, it was just – that was a dream come true. I just sort of thrown in the deep end there with it. But, you know, I was very lucky. I had some good people around me. And, mate, got to live out a childhood dream. Wow. How did that experience help handling your NRL debut, I guess, mate? I don't know. I guess as growing up, I kind of always had that, you know, a bit of doubt about me and – obviously never playing and being training with the boys you always wonder I guess in the back of your head whether I could do it or not and I think that game just sort of you know stepping on the field and making a tackle and just having it hit up it sort of just gave me that belief like wow I can actually do this so man yeah I just think the concept and what it was and what it is it's just made it's so good not just for me but I think there's been a few boys now that have actually like made their all-stars debut before the NRL debut and they've gone on the bigger things yeah, so it's about that confidence. You're now a senior player in this side, Josh. Do you accept that responsibility? And, and, and not only from a footy point of view, but also from an Indigenous culture point of view. And that's obviously a big part of this week as well. Oh, definitely. But, um, geez, if I'm a senior player, God, we're in trouble. <laughs> I'm a big kid still, mate. But, um, no, definitely. I know what you mean. It's just, it's awesome just to be around those boys because, like you said, just as a, you know, a community sort of leader, like when I came into the camp, I didn't really know too much about myself or my culture. I knew a little bit, but being around those boys and how proud they are, and uh, we have cultural nights where we just want to learn and we just, you know, we hear each other's stories, and that just makes you more proud. And, um, you know, it's always good to just sort of go into those camps and just learn more about that. And you realize that. You know, the camp is such a big week and not just for football, but it's just the community and the effect that you can actually have on community. So, yeah. you know, if I'm going to be a leader in that sort of space, then I'll grab it with both hands. You touched on it, but give us an insight what camp is like and, and what ex- experiences that you guys all share with each other. Oh, mate, there's no shortage of laughs. That's <laughs> definitely one. 
Um, mate, it's just it's more coming in, meeting the boys, and just learning about um, you know you learn a bit more about yourself, about your your people, where you're from, um, and then you get to go out and you actually get to help a lot of a lot of it is just going out to the communities and helping the you know the kids out there and and people like just talking to people and, and it's just it's the best feeling because like you know I'm, like I said I'm just a big kid you don't really realize the effect that you actually have on the people in your community and your family and and just normal people as well and just man it, it's crazy just to have that effect and when I, I was sort of struck by it when I first went into camp all those years ago because I wasn't really ready for all, all of that but mate just all the boys and the passion that they show and um you know the people that they are sort of off camera you know like I know that sometimes people there's probably people in there that don't have the best image outside outside on the, on the media but when you're in the camp and you see what they're like with the communities and wanting to help people it's it's a pretty special feeling hey eh? like everyone really enjoys the camp we always keep in contact throughout the year and everyone looks forward to the next all-stars camp so I'm I'm pretty excited to get back into it today you might not know exactly just yet, Josh, but how much contact are you going to be able to have with the community given what's happened with COVID? Yeah, I'm not I'm actually not too too entirely sure. I think yeah. that's gonna be the, the worst part about camp probably this year is that we actually don't get to get out as much. Yeah. And I think a few of the boys are a bit let down, but you know, we're very grateful just to be able to play the game and obviously got these protocols in place so that we can play it. So yeah, as heartbreaking as that is, not being able to do as much as what we want to in the community, like we still get to play the game and, and represent our culture on the big stage. Josh, should Latrell Mitchell be playing in this game? Oh, definitely. It's, <laughs> like, it's just... I just don't get how... Because I'm pretty sure he can play the... All, uh, yeah, you'll be playing but... against him in a few weeks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just, that's just... Yeah, I don't know. Like, look, I'm obviously not a very smart bloke. Um, like I was saying before, God, they're in drama... We're in dramas if I'm the bloody senior player, but it's just it's a I don't know how they like you know it, it's got to, if if he's not going to be able to play for us and it's got to count towards a game for his suspension, but the fact that it's not doing either of those is just a bit mm. I don't know I, I don't know I just I think he should play it's it's a complete different game than you know anything else that other people have played for so I just think he should be able to play he's such a big part he's such a big role. You might you might not know. I might be one standing up in the middle of the circle this year in our walk ride. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, mate, no, definitely he should be. He should definitely play. I think. Putting your dragons cap on, mate. What what learnings do you take out of last season as a club? Obviously, started so well, and then barbecue and and everything else sort of um, blew up at, at the back end of the season. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I think. Oh, we did start. We started awesome, mate. We started unreal. We had our, a full fit team. And um, I think what sort of started the Rockers a bit early was probably the injuries and suspensions. You know, we got, we had a few people out for quite a, I think we had, I think we were one of the top teams for having the most people out with suspensions for the whole year, which was a bit, you know, probably a bit careless by us. But um, yeah, I, I don't, mate, I, to be honest, I don't know. Obviously, yes, we did have a few off-field dramas that were very stupid and silly. And um but I think a lot of it was on the field where we just sort of chopping and changing the teams just through the injuries. And I thought at the start of the year, we had built really good connections with how we were playing. And then we obviously got a few injuries, came back, and it was just a bit different. So I think this year, you know, we've got a lot more experience. Um, Hook's signed a lot more older, experienced players so that blokes that know how to win games and that have been there before. And I think I'm really looking forward to this year is just all those boys that are going to bring that 
that wealth of you know experience, like I said, and they've been trained the house down. And this preseason's just got a bit of something different about it. Everyone's just there's very big healthy competition within the team, so. I think that's bringing out the best of everyone. You mentioned those experienced players. One of those is George Burgess, who's coming back from a serious hip injury, and we haven't seen him in the NRL for a while now. What's what's he been like at training, and how how much I guess was he has he been doing um, since Christmas? Mate, I didn't even know they made humans that big. He is freaking, <laughs> mate, <laughs> mate, they are, he is freaking huge, uh, mate. Like him, is, oh my god, he. Yeah, I don't know, mate. He, You're hardly like, a you small fella. Him in person. Mate, I, I was like shocked. At him. Like, I, don't know, yeah, I don't know what they feed him, but <laughs> God, I need to get on that diet. But um, <laughs> yeah, he's he's good. He's yeah, he's very talkative. He's he's done it before. He's told us he um, you know, he's won that he's won that grand final, and that's where we all want to be. You know, we want to be in that shed, and we want to be you know having those those champagnes and all that in the sheds at the end of a grand final victory. So he knows what it takes. Um, you know, you got other blokes like Aaron Woods as well, and those sort of blokes that have all been there. And yeah, I, I don't know, mate. Like George, big Georgie, he's 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 doing really well. Like from what his hip injury is, I think it's the first time in NRL history or something that someone's come back from that. So for someone that big, like I understand that would probably be a bit easier for someone who's probably not in that position where they're like 125 kilos or something like that. But oh. Mate, he's done really well for moving all that weight on that new robot hip or whatever he's got. Mate, he's doing really well. <laughs> hey, Josh, I'm not sure if you heard the news, uh, whether you've had discussions with the Rugby League Players Association around this, but the reports in the newspaper today are that the, the NRL are looking at you going out um, to pubs and restaurants and, and cafes and so forth, but only doing it in groups of three. So it'd be yourself and, and two other players. Who, who are the two players you would go out with from the Dragons, and how are you going to sort that? That's going to get people's noses out of joints, you know. Three's, oh, three's company and four's a crowd now. Oh, <laughs> oh, geez. Well, mate, after last year, I'm just going to lock myself in my house. But, uh, <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah, mate, yeah. You ain't going to catch me slipping on that sort of stuff this year, mate. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, mate, I just... Uh, You're allowed to have mate, two God, over, which... You're allowed to have two um, over, but which two wouldn't you, you want gotta, over? Oh, like I would, but I wouldn't have Jack Bird. He loves, <laughs> he loves a beer. He loves a beer and a punt. But geez, he's a bit of a punish, mate. He's, <laughs> a, he's a he's a legend, birdie. Geez, you're not going to be a roomie with. Aren't you guys, isn't he in camp with you? You're not going to be root, trying to put your hand up to be roommates with him. Yeah, oh, I'll, I'll definitely. Yeah, I'll be definitely tapping someone on the shoulder, telling them I'll, I'll be sleeping in someone else's room. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't trust Birdie. Uh, I don't trust no one. Uh, oh, I don't know. That's a good question. The other one, oh, geez, who else would I want? Jack Bird. Yeah, my best mate in the team's Tyrell. Tyrell Fuimono. He's okay. A okay. He, he's good. He's always good. But yeah, he gets to uh, have a few beers as well. It's always a good laugh. But, um, <laughs> mate, that's, yeah, there's that many players. Like, everyone in the team, you know, like, you obviously got a group of mates. Everyone's got a bit of a different trait about them. All I know is that Birdie's going to be drunk and he's going to be grabbing you in areas you don't want him to be <laughs> grabbing you in and being a punish. So. Uh, <laughs> hey, Josh, um, you've given us some insights that I never anticipated <laughs> this morning. It's been absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Just on that, you, you make a really good point. So in the, the pre-game dance and, and war cry um, in previous years, Greg Inglis has popped up a couple of times and Latrell Mitchell popped up. It's hugely charismatic players within the National Rugby League. Any ideas who it will be that will will pop up this year? 
Um, no idea. I was actually talking about this to Tyrell just before. I reckon that we'd probably have Foxy. Oh, I'd be. I'd like Foxy, like uh, Josh Yaddo Carr. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He's just such a prominent figure in mm. the in the game and in the community, and he's he's super proud, mate. Like he's honestly, you got to meet him. It's you know, he puts a smile on your face with yeah. how much you know how proud he is, and yeah, just anything like everyone. You all know what he's like, Foxy. So I, I just think that he'd be awesome um, to be in the middle. But I, I don't know. They could could go with maybe two people. I have no idea. Yeah. I honestly have no idea. Um, I dare say it would be. Oh, it'll all play out this week. Hey, Josh, uh, I know it's an exciting week for you. Uh, congratulations on your selection again. Uh, have a great game on Saturday night with the Indigenous All-Stars team and, of course, all the very best for season 2022 with the Dragons. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to hear from Josh Kerr there. Uh, I can't wait to see some of the footy again on Saturday night. I'm sure uh, you guys and girls are all the same. And a big year, hopefully, coming up for him at St. George Illawarra Dragons. Welcome back to the Rewind on Higher Ground. And to finish the night, Joel and Fletch were back for the run home this afternoon and were joined by regular Luke the General Patton, who covered off all sorts of issues with the boys. It's time for the doyen of decisions, Luke, the general pattern. Yes, Brian, just hearing that, it just makes you feel like the world is back to how it should be. Yeah, I can't wait to see this. Listen yeah. to this bloke. Is he here? Is he, is he on the line? General, are you there, my friend? I'm here. We're back. Oh, we are. Oh, I've been yeah. talking like Richie Benno all over. I've been like, yes, welcome back. <laughs> how, how was your summer? How was your summer, General? Yeah, no, it was pretty good. Um, there you go, pretty good. Fishing in. <laughs> yeah, I, can't, I can't stop talking like a great man. Um, bit of, you know, a bit of fishing, weather was okay. I mean, uh, I was just thinking to myself now, it's a bit of rain around today, last few days. You know, you're getting old when you're like, oh, this rain will mean I need to mow the lawn. And, you know, <laughs> it's just some of the things you think about when you get older. It's just so weird. How's your Gary Jack? You had the operation. How's it all going? Yeah, I'm almost back to full fitness, Joel. I um, I haven't had a chance to play Oztag um, yet, but I might. I'm going to give myself a little bit of a fitness test, maybe the Savo, um, to see how I pull up tomorrow, and then maybe um, I, I get a game this week. But geez, uh, I tell you what, they need me. They've been struggling, my Oztag team. They've been they've been dreadful. And your mate, the Big Show. Oh yeah. Oh, gee whiz. The big show. I'll tell you what, his young fella's playing well. I'll tell you that much. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Big show if you wish to have your say. Uh, General, what about the rule changes, mate? The rule changes, uh, primarily uh, the change where it was the set restart. Six, are you talking about the six again? Yes, but yes. now it's the penalty. I personally like it, Love Brian. It. Love it. What I do you love. say, General? Yeah, well, the, the best thing about it is there's only one rule change. I yeah. think that's probably the, the highlight. Um, and, yeah, I tend to agree. I think it makes a bit more sense that teams... You know, teams were using that to their advantage, and now uh, they'll be penalised more for it. And I, I think it's a it's a good, it's a smart move. What about the news just come to hand uh, or earlier today? There's talk that well, the whispers are growing louder that um, Reese Walsh may be linked to the Redcliffe Dolphins. Does that mean that maybe Ponga they've missed out on Ponga? Uh, and you know, Sue General, and you probably work with this fella. The obvious link there is that Peter O'Sullivan got Reese Walsh to Warriors. He's now at Redcliffe with Bennett. So I can most certainly see Reese Walsh in the red. What do you think, General? 
Oh, you'd be, you know, it's a great opportunity to work under Bennett, isn't it? You know, so um, I think that if uh, the money's right as well and the length of the contract and everything, um, I think it'd be a, a, you know, a decent move for the kid. Having said that, though, I think everyone in the game the last couple of years, what, what the Warriors have done for the game and how they've been um, put out so much behind, I think everyone sort of sneakily wants the Warriors to do well as well. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it sort of doesn't destabilise them a bit or whatever. But, yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how it worked out. Just on the Dolphins, General, you are the doyen of decisions. What do you think about this? Lottie Takiri came on our program late last year and people were talking about the name. Is it going to be the Redcliffe Dolphins? Is it going to be the Moreton Bay Dolphins? South East Queensland Dolphins? What would it be? Well, Lottie Takiri, he came up with the greater area around Redcliffe and um, around that is the Gubby Gubby Dolphins. That's the indigenous name, not the Dolphins. Gubby Gubby area is the indigenous name for the area. Uh, and I thought to myself, gee, that's a, an opportunity for the NRL where I don't, to my knowledge, know of a national sporting team where they are named after the um, the location of an Indigenous area, the Gubby Gubby Dolphins. Uh, imagine being a young Indigenous kid growing up. I mean, surely you'd be wanting to play for the Gubby Gubby Dolphins. Or maybe you're thinking, you know, do I want to play rugby league? Do I want to play AFL? I want to go and try and play for the Gubby Gubby Dolphins. I love it personally. Fletch loves it. What do you think, General? Yeah, I think, why not? I think, you know, the game, we've had so many great Indigenous players and it's such a huge part of the game. I think it would um, be pretty popular with the fans if they ended up doing something like that. So I, I think, why not? On the back page of the Daily Telegraph, uh, it says, I apologise. And I did uh, later find out that it was uh, Langer, right? Um, but you came out with your own apology uh, on Instagram recently, General. What happened there? Yeah, yeah I... Uh... I apologise to all the people out there that I thought were wankers about having blowers. Um, <laughs> for years, my missus has been trying to get me a blower. And I've stayed old school with the broom and um, just, you know, I wanted to do it that way. I didn't want to be noisy, just wanted to do it like that. And then my mother-in-law actually got me a, a blower for Christmas. And, um, yeah, you know what, I just apologise. I was wrong all these years. How good mm. is a blower, honestly? And then the only issue is, where do you blow it to? Like, I'm not a massive fan of just blowing all your stuff out on the road and making it someone else's problem. No, um, you just so, sweep it up. I'll tell you a little hack here. I, I use the grass catcher, the catcher. So you sweep it up, throw it in the catcher so you can get heaps in there and then put in your green bin. Oh, yeah, righto. Yeah, I might, maybe I'll give that a go next time. Just blow it onto the, the, blow it onto the, the road. Game, Jack. Just blow it onto the road. Council boys will get it tomorrow. <laughs> that's, what, that's the way you do it. We yeah. just blow it down yeah, the street. Yeah, but I live in a, a dead-end street, Fletch, see? So... Um, like, I feel like I'm littering everyone else's yep. sort of street in that situation, so I'm, I, I'm not comfortable with that. Just put it down the stormwater drain, mate. It's all sweet. It doesn't, that doesn't go anywhere. Like, that doesn't block up. Leaves don't block up any stormwater drains. I've never heard of one of them. Can I ask you this, though? Also, uh, on Instagram, uh, this, is, yep. this is verbatim. Kids in shopping centres. Don't you hate when you try and take a shortcut to the sports or fishing section section in your retail store and find yourself in the lingerie section instantly feeling like a creep but seriously i'm just passing through what i liked about it is you stopped and then took a photo of all the braziers (laughs) yeah so if you were feeling like a creep but you're serious you're seriously i was just passing through you've stopped and taken a photo of all the reg grundies well 
see, hear me out for a minute here, though. It's Instagram, right? So I need to post a picture mm. to whatever I'm talking about. So I can't just write a post about it. I have to post a picture. So I made sure that there were no women in my picture or anything like that. I made sure it was just all the, uh, you know, all the gear there. So um, probably not as creepy as a few people, including yourself, uh, thought it was. I thought it was. Uh, but we've all been there. No, I ha- never. Because it says big signs. Oh, it says women's lingerie. Yeah, but you know, you try and get a shortcut. You go, oh, right, how do I get to this spot? And you take a left and then you go, ooh, geez, I'm in no man's land here. Yeah. And then it's like a maze. It's like you can't get out of there. And then yeah. before you know it, you've got a big set of a big set of bras in your face that you can get in the parachute, and you're like, oh, this is getting even weirder. I, you took, you, I like how you took the undies off, t- put them on your head, and took a, and took a selfie. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Sorry, this is this is a good one here. You idiots. Blow it back onto the grass, and then you mow it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yep. Yeah, that's, I like that too. I don't know who that's from. I like that too. That's a beauty. Yep. Yeah, that's Whatever he's blowing yeah, on. What do you mean? So what? You whip a snipper it, Whip-y, and then you blow yep. it back on, and then you and then you mow it. Yep. Yep. That's it. Yeah, but what happens after you mow it? There's there's, stu- there's still stuff getting blown out onto the on the path or the driveway. I'm sure. Yeah, you got the bulk of it though. I, I think that listen yeah. is on the money. <laughs> I like that. Right Just put it down yeah. the stormwater, honestly. And <laughs> <laughs> it's biodegradable. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've got a uh, another Wes Naguama at the moment. Oh, uh, yeah, tell us, you, Kevin. I've been yeah, I've been Tell us coaching <laughs> coaching the young blokes Oztag uh, team, mm. and um, my my young bloke he's just too intense. He thinks he he thinks he's playing NRL, and it's really doing my head in at the moment. I just um, yeah, I don't know how to deal with it. He just he's very intense and uh, doesn't like losing, doesn't like performing poorly. So it's been a real challenge. Ah, uh, okay. Here's the challenge. You're, so, not, you're not related to Justin Langer, are you? <laughs> So, I, I, actually, I'm, I'm, I'll be fascinated on your views here. Uh, I can't personally do it. I'm not judging people who can. Uh, is he the captain yeah. of your team, General? Oh, we don't have a captain, John. No. I think, I think at that age, it's only under seven. You don't, you don't need a captain. Thoughts on having your own child as a captain, Brian? Can you no do it? way in the world. No, I can't do it. No way. No in the way. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. No. Nah. Did you put him on the bench? I haven't, I, I haven't even given him a Man of the Match award yet. Like We've played probably... Oh, we've almost played seven or eight games, and Smart. he still hasn't had me in the match. And even though he's played some great games, I still feel a bit awkward about that. So yeah. uh, it's, a, it's a tricky one. What about getting him into some meditation? <laughs> no, yeah, I'm... he actually has done a little bit of meditation. Uh, maybe I think Dad might need to do some meditation as well. It's been I think it's been wigging me out more than him. Yeah, you've got to slow down. I look at your Instagram, and mm. I know Instagram's not real life, but you're doing a lot yep. of activities. Yeah, goes. You're gutting yep. fish. Yeah. You're getting snakes. Yeah, you're getting those Joe Neckos. You're getting all these weird sort of animals. Where do you live? Do you live Nature in the zoo? <laughs> yeah, no, I like being busy, Fletch. I think it's good. Yeah, it's you know, good. and I, I do love nature and animals and stuff. So, Well, they say idle hands is the devil's playground. Mm. Mm-hmm. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, General, outstanding, outstanding return. We, we expected nothing less, but it was an outstanding return, General. Well done. Thanks for having me, boys. I'm hanging for the footy. I cannot, honestly, I can't wait for it to get here. Well, let's just do this. Let's just do this because we're going to ask all our guests. Mm. We need a premiership favourite, a premiership winner. We'll get it early. It's only February. On the spot, oh. who's the premiership winner? We'll, we'll, uh, we'll listen, I, I, yeah, I'm not going to sit on the fence. If you're asking me for one name, I'm just going to say the Roosters. Yeah. Um, dealt with a lot of injuries last year. 
Uh, they got a lot of quality guys coming back. I know they've lost some quality experienced guys, but they've got some good young talent. Uh, they've got Robbo. I think Fitzy will be a solid loss for them, but, you know, um, they've got to be up there, don't they? So Yeah, totally agree. And by the way, General, Sharky's a t- top eight morals. Can you not tell people? I know we've already got on. Oh, I think <laughs> they should be pushing top four. Yeah. Oh, really? Like, they've got a real good vibe about them at the moment, I reckon. Fitzy, uh, as we know, is a legend, and I think he's, you know, he's going to do a good job there, and they made some great signings. So I think, um, I think Sharky's fans will be thinking higher than just top eight. 100%. What about, the, what about your old mom, the Bulldogs? Uh, well, the only way is up for them. I'm just yes. a bit concerned about gelling. Um, and, you know, they've got a tough draw as well at the start. So if they sort of lose a few early, it's going to be hard for them as well. But, um, yeah, I think anywhere between 8 and 12, I think. Somewhere in that in that zone. Okay. All right. Well, mate, we'll uh, we'll, we'll keep checking in throughout the year uh, on a weekly basis. By the way, I don't know if we've sent the contracts over, but they're on the way. Uh, General, great to chat, mate. <laughs> well, that just about does it uh, for us in here. My thanks to Cowboy Dan. He's been, geez, been good tonight, hasn't he? Uh, on the, on the panel, and to all of our guests that joined us, uh, thank you very much for your contribution to the show, and uh, to you guys and girls at home via the text line. Uh, thanks for joining the conversation. I'll join you again on Wednesday for another edition of Higher Ground. Until then, keep smiling.